you obviously I have the wrong person. If you got to my voicemail and you heard my voicemail reply, yeah. and then you're texting me afterwards saying, hey, who are you? Like, yeah. you don't know me. Like, <laughs> That's great. But you have a, I think, like, I've had the same number for That's great, 15 it's plus like, years, 20 years. It's unbelievable that they can, I, I don't understand how that's still like a legal thing, yeah. that they can do that. You know, like, their whole yeah, yeah. That sound weird. Me off. Is that weird to you guys as it is to me? I keep getting it's them from, great. Like, I keep just getting keep them from people trying to sell me solar panels for my house. A lot of that. Dude, have you ever walked into Home Depot? No. Oh. I mean, yeah. But Home, well, yeah, Home Depot <laughs> here. I'm walking around minding my own business, and all of a sudden, like, some guy comes walking up, talks to me about solar panels. I'm a nice guy, so I can't just tell him, like, F off. Yeah. And he's trying to sell me solar panels. Do they just troll Home Depot? Troll Home Depot, and they're allowed to. And just making, they're allowed to. making sales pitches? Yeah. They're probably in with Home Depot. I had a guy come to my door, and I told him I wasn't interested at the time. And he's like, well, I'd like to stop back by. And so he must have stopped back when either my kids were home, probably my kids. And they probably gave him my phone number. So then I I keep getting text messages, and I keep replying to the guy. I'm really not interested. (laughs) I can't. I'm telling you, bud. (laughs) Let's talk about the the potential benefits. And I'm like, I just, I'm good. I'm really okay. I don't, I'm, I'm okay for now. They, you gotta, you gotta uh, appreciate or respect the hustle. The hustle, man. You gotta respect <laughs> until it. I don't anymore. And yeah. then I'm, and then until I'm you're over fed it. up, and then it's just <laughs> yeah. Done. And I'm like, please do not fucking text me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want me to jump in and do intro? How are we coming then... through? Are we coming through? Yeah. So we got a new podcast set up. This is our very first one for the new setup. This is the very, very first, the very first one. So how do you guys feel? I, I don't know. So. We've come a long ways from the from the Stone Glacier Sky Dome, which was awesome. That was a pretty cool setting. <laughs> Dude, that was that was everyone's favorite setup, I think. But I think we're I think now this is going to be hopefully everyone's favorite setup. And then we went to the little tiny table with cords everywhere. Yeah. Don't you have to, a soft spot in your heart for the long table in the big room there? No, oh, I, I remember hated that, that one. Oh yeah, that one too. I hated that one. I, that one. Like I walked into <laughs> I walked into Todd's office. I said that one is done. Don't like, ever do just that some again. Office chairs and a that long was horrible. hallway. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's so that's the office. That's you know everybody has a room in their house that just never gets done. Yeah. That's that for us for yeah. the for the business yeah. office. That's the room that just like we'll never finish and we'll just keep throwing shit into it for storage. I, I also said the other week that I'm pulling my mule deer out of that room. You and, need to and bringing it over to yes, my office. You need to. That's because no one room. no one goes back there. It looks like a fucking cafeteria. I hate it. My my, yeah. my buck is in a dark room constantly, and I feel bad for him. I agree. Bring that. Bring but him for out everybody here. that's been complaining about sound. This should fix it. This should Hopefully. fix it. And if it's not fixed in this podcast, then yell at Cody. Send, send Cody your Boar. emails to Cody. Cody, Boar. what's your at? Cody45 or whatever? Yeah, at, yeah. Cody, yeah, at Cody45 yell on at him, Instagram. Just follow that guy's DMs. We're trying, man. We, uh, we're trying to fix the audio. We're trying to get more comfortable. We're actually investing in this thing, believe it or not. So, <laughs> and I, I can't wait till we get new stools because I feel really weird right now. That, I know. That trail is I'm taller working, than I am. I know. You, do, you are very tall right you now. You guys don't know. I, bu- I bumped it up in the back room. Did you? No. <laughs> I was going to say, you just look taller. I thought, maybe I'm going to bump that I'm up. I'm working on some really comfortable stools right now. Um, but the the lead time I figured out yesterday is not very exciting. Yeah, so. I was telling you, I'm gonna need a glassing pad. I think for this one for this, today, yeah. for, if we're on this for a few hours. Yeah. But this is our we did a few, we'll, we did a few dry it. runs last week with the audio. But I think after Love this podcast, we'll be really uh, really, really uh, guiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should fix the it sound. It feels super comfortable. Like this is much more comfortable than before with all the cords and those fucking headphones. My ears are still sore. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Still no, sore. no more uh, warm ears on the podcast. No. Yeah, that would no. get that would get uh, definitely would hurt after a day. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about today, T Rail? Yeah, I'm gonna hit you with the promo code first, though. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Everybody loves a good promo code, right? 
So promo code podcast, sign up for a GoHunt Insider account. We're going to give you 50 points. That's 50 bucks back to the GoHunt gear shop. You can use that towards the purchase of any new gear that you want in the gear shop. And, man, we have... We have a ton of new stuff coming in. Oh, we're, yeah. we're right in the mix. We got Shot Show going on this week. Yep. yep. We'll be we walking got around ATA Shot Show. That was last week. Uh, you got Western Hunt Expo coming up, which typically you'll see some new gear coming in. All that will start to bleed into the Go Hunt Gear Shop within the next few months. So now's the time to do your research. Use the promo code podcast. Um, also, use the promo code podcast right now. If you're buying boots in the Go Hunt Gear Shop, you're going to get 10% off. Yep. All full price boots. Yep. Yep. So, and also, if you're not an insider, I would definitely suggest jumping back, listening to those prior podcasts we did about Wyoming, we had the mm-hmm. app strategy kick off. Like mm-hmm. you'll hear a lot of us talking there about why insider is so powerful. Like that's a great pod. Those are great podcasts to check out. I agree. Before you want to jump into True. how many pairs of boots you got? <sighs> a lot. I know you're the boot guy. How many pairs you got? I brought. I think I brought five down with me because we're going to talk about it later today. But I think I brought five pairs down with me, and that's like the five pair that I wore this year pretty much. And then in my closet, and then I have like a big rack in my garage. I line them all out. But I bet I've got 30 pair probably. Point being, you can never have enough boots. Uh, Yeah. I mean, depends on who you ask, I guess. And (laughs) 10% off all boots right now with the promo code. I do have a lot of boots, though. We're we're going to run deep into boots because it's a great time of year to buy boots right i agree also before we maybe jump into topic today maybe we should uh roll back a little bit yeah talk about our new year's goals (laughs) resolutions how's it it going there is a thousand percent chance that you're gonna see me run out that door during this podcast because i have to pee i want to know hold on you'll see both trail and i (laughs) yeah have some jugs of water i've been carrying this jug around for a while now and yep. I will say I am struggling trying to get a gallon of water in today. You're struggling at it? Oh, I'm not struggling with getting the water. I usually, I, like this would be my third one I've killed yeah. this well, morning. Well, struggle is maybe yeah. not the right so, word, so but I'm, it's just like I'm, I'm, it's, I have to carry it around to do it because I'll still forget during the yeah. day. And so this is helping me by doing two of these a day. And, yeah, you have to pee all the, all I, the time. I'm drinking more than a gallon for sure. And yeah. it's just I, I swear I was not thirsty before I started this, now mm-hmm. it feels like I'm thirsty all the time. All the time. I'm drinking water all the time. That's what I, that's See, what I this tell is what people. I'm worried about because now, what I'm, I'm worried now about. when I'm on a hunt, Me too. I usually don't drink a lot of water. And now my body's going to be used to drinking water. And so now I feel like I'm going to be struggling mm-hmm. on the hunt. I don't know. It's just what I'm worried about. I right don't now. know. I don't know, man. Like I'm a solid two gallons a day guy. <laughs> I'm a gallon by... By 10 o'clock every morning, I'm a gallon deep. Yeah. It's only four of those, which isn't, yeah. it's not bad. It's not bad. It's um, actually not as much as I thought. But you start to realize how thirsty you actually are when you start drinking enough water. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's incredible. Like I don't have to try right now to drink two gallons of water. It just happens. I have been interspacing it with like, you know, Diet Pepsi and a coffee also. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, get, I'm still getting plenty of those uh, in a day. Okay. So, I'm drinking a lot of liquid right now. I guess what it boils yeah. down to. But. Well, it's nice. So you guys are carrying through. You guys yeah, are we're, I'm carrying through here. Easy. I, f- I feel like I got off way easy in comparison. You got off but, really but like the nutrition side right now, I haven't really nailed that down. And so I, I need to pick that up. Well, you agreed to <laughs> 200, 200 pounds, right? One, 190 by April. I ate like half a birthday. Now like I'm going to increase that cake. goal afterwards. So yeah, I, need I like to, short-term goals. Yeah. Short-term is the only way to, like you know, like we were talking about last podcast. You got to like, you got to have a no-fail mentality. Like mm-hmm. burn the ships. Failure yeah. is not an option. So you make those small goals, and then you can start adding them up yeah. over time. And but then like we talked about earlier, so I, I went to Sheep Show this last week. 
I was just there part of Friday and all of Saturday yeah, and Sunday. Yeah, you just jumped yeah. and ran, didn't you? But, but like, <laughs> I lost weight at Cheap Show. Because <laughs> you were walking around so much? Walking around. I don't know. But one night, I had two dinners. I legit had two dinners, and I still somehow... That's showing you how how undereaten you actually are Probably. if you can do that and still lose weight. Yeah. It's and the same I'm, thing with and water. I'm still working out, so like I have to even increase my food more yeah. now. It's a great so that's, problem what that's what I'm starting to figure out. Just wait till you get older. It's so much harder to take weight off. Oh, right like now you'll, just... you'll pack, you'll pack, you'll hit 40 and pack weight on like that. That's not good for me. <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's alarming how easy it is to My pack body on is still ultra responsive. So if I want to gain weight, it'll do it overnight. If I want to lose weight, it'll do it overnight. I, like I still have that going. Yeah. Everyone always told me that. And I was like, yeah, it seems like, and maybe there's, maybe it's in my head. I don't know, but think, everyone says it. I always everyone think like it. people are full of shit, but it does seem like since I turned 40, like if I eat, I can like watch it pack on. That's really scary for me to think that it would be easier for me to gain weight than it already <laughs> is. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That is terrifying. Can, can we quickly touch on Porter? Yeah. So I want, yeah, I, we were talking about yesterday. I want, I want to hear from you though. Yeah. So, you know, I, so I was out hunting in Mexico, which we'll get into. Yep. Little as hunt, you can see, little yeah, as you can Mexico. see. Was, yeah, if, you're, if quite, you're not watching online, you should you should jump, you should jump over onto YouTube when you the, watch this just to see what the table here. looks pretty good, and it was it was quite the hunt. Um, but yeah, so I was I was gone. Uh, I left the fifth of January, and I you know I was still like online and still talking, but obviously our our resolutions or whatever you want to call it. We talked about last podcast. It wasn't top of my mind. But when I came back to the office, first thing I did was walk into Porter's office. I said, how'd you do? Are you, are you still doing it? No, I broke. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You already broke? Really? He's like, I'm like, he broke. He goes, goal. yeah, he really did. Yeah. yeah, he broke 14 days in. He made it 14 days and he thought it was like some huge accomplishment, you know? Wow. Like he was talking about last time. He didn't even get to the point where you like hit a habit. Like, was it 21 days yeah, until 20, you actually can start 21. making things? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's 30. Yeah, it's probably be be my, you know, that's my uh, metric. But yeah, he made it 14 days and he was like ultra proud of himself. And I'm like, how the fuck did you fail that quick? It's like, well, it's just habit for me. Like, I'm just such a wine drinker and wine is obviously alcohol. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> obviously alcohol. It's like, I just, I found myself like making dinner and I would just, I would, grab for a wine glass and it wasn't there. Like, yeah, do a Perrier with a lime or something. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be wine. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well. Some Welch's. He goes, I was doing, (laughs) exactly. He's like, yeah, I was doing good. Um, But then, you know, there was a certain person that broke him mentally and he had a glass of wine. I'm like, you let another man break you mentally (laughs) and you failed. You let another person break you mentally. Wow. And I just, I crushed him for it. So he's out already. He will. Is he back fully on? He's back on. Well, what I told him is, and it's a restart now. You got to go go 30 days. And he's saying, no, no, no. We'll have to get him back on to publicly agree and we can public shame because the public shame is always the best way to get somebody to do something. Um, But we need to get him for a solid 30. Now he's into this whole, I just need to create better, you know, better habits. And if I can go 14 days at a time, it'll be better than what I was doing. And agreeably, I, you know, I said, so yeah, four, it's better. Four, like 14, 14, you said 14. your goal was 30 days, dry January. You said that was your goal. You mm. can't just give up on the overall goal. You just no. restart. Like today's the day. So anyways, I mean, we all need going, to publicly shame If you're going 14 shame, days shame and, then, and then you're drinking a glass of wine, like... 
It seems like that would be a bigger letdown. Yeah, like that would be sure. annoying. Like just go all in and drink all the time. I agree. Or, or not at all for <laughs> well, the 30 can, days. So I was giving him shit like that. And he's like, well, I'm just not an all or nothing kind of guy. I just, you know, I'm a lifestyle guy. I'm like, well, fucking figure it out. Kind of sounds all like he is an all or nothing guy. I like he's, he's all like alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, oh, every night, right? Oh, gosh. You heard so, it here yeah, first. So he, he, we got to get him to re-up on a new 30 or, or something. Cause he's out. Um, my, I can't remember exactly what I agreed to cause I was already doing a bunch of shit. I think it was the 20 minutes a day of yeah. steady state cardio. And that what I agreed yeah. to. Yep. Yeah. That was easy with hunting. That was extremely easy. Um, my son was sick over the weekend, like bad sick, the whole flu bug. He's school first time, you know, mm -hmm. the first like true school sickness. So I missed uh, Saturday and I missed Sunday. So I'll make up those two days. There and it was go. 30 straight days of that. So I'll make up those two. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't really noticed any difference other than I have to pee all the time. <laughs> you no, know, like energy? I, I, you don't feel like more like nope, I don't when feel, you're working out, do you feel like it's you're I, I just, recovering feel, easier? Or? No. <laughs> I feel like really? I sweat. Yeah, I feel like I sweat the same. But then again, I mean, it's what? what you don't feel two, like you're yeah, we're, we're just natural camels. So. You don't feel like your stomach is less like... Uh, uh, if anything, I feel like... I, I would say I feel like I'm more satiated, so I don't yeah. feel like I'm eating quite as much. I feel more yeah. full, yep. you know? I I mean, I've, my diet still hasn't been great. I haven't been really clean, but I do feel like I'm, I eat a little bit less. Yeah. Especially through, like, the first half of the day, I still struggle. I struggle with dinners, you know? Like, I get hungry by the end of the work day. Yeah. And then I've still got a bunch of other stuff I need to do at home, so it feels like I'm just cramming food in my mouth. Those cortisol levels. Yeah. Cortisol rises throughout the day yep. as more things pile on you, and then that creates eating. Yeah. That's why I'll, that's so, it's so crazy how that but shit it, happens. But I do feel early, like, my, my appetite's a little more satiated, so yeah. that's that's one potential I definitely, benefit. definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Other than that, not not nothing too crazy. Sometimes, you? Sometimes I get home, and I like so I have easily I can do a half gallon of water during the workday. Plus I have you know a cup cup of coffee, a protein shake in the morning. So that's some water as well. But I get <laughs> home and I realize that my jug is still full, and I set it down like right when I walk in my house, and I gotta stop doing that because I need to take it over to like my kitchen or bring it up to my loading room or whatever I'm going. Because all of a sudden I get to like ten thirty eleven, I'm like wow, since I got home I haven't had a sip of water. So now I'm pounding water from like 10 to midnight, trying to like make sure I get that gallon in the day <laughs> and then going to bed. is just, you know, dude, last night I did a podcast with Chad Riker yep. and he had it scheduled for an hour and I hit like minute 55 and just couldn't do it. I almost peed my pants. I, I, I'm not kidding. I was like uh. to the point. I was like gutting it out yeah. and I, he kind of wrapped up and then he wanted to talk some like personal app stuff on the back end of yep. it, you know, off, off the podcast or whatever. And I finally just was like, Chad, I, uh, yeah, I, I picked up my computer, <laughs> picked up you. my computer <laughs> and was like walking towards the bathroom. Cause I'm like, this is the point. Like I'm either going to pee my pants yeah. or I'm just going to log out and that, go. That part's been gone for me for a long huh. time, long time. Yeah. But the, so schedule like, um, what's it called? Being uh, regimented, right? Mm -hmm. So first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is pound a liter of water. Yeah. For very first thing, as fast as I can drink it, room temperature, liter of water, go to the gym. I don't count the water I drink at the gym because you're working for them. Get home, pound a liter of water. Then I hang out with my son for a little bit. 
And then right before I leave the house, I pound a liter of water. And then when I come into the office, I drink one bottle. And that's a gallon right there. Yep. So that's so why, that's why I that. get a gallon in by, before 10 yeah. a.m. every single day. And I'm looking forward to, as this progresses, to seeing what that water actually is going to do to me. Because right now it's hard, like Trail says, it's hard to feel. Yeah, it's not I'm, long if enough. If I'm benefiting, yes, yeah, not You're long enough. It's like 14 days 14, in, it's not long enough. Yeah, 14 days, not long enough yeah. to feel like with the change of your body. Your body yeah. still doesn't know what to do with all the water. That's why you guys are peeing so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, it's still trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on. Yeah. You gave me none of this, and now, like now, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Hmm. We'll, so it's, we'll publicly shame Porter though. We'll get him back on. Okay. Here. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Yeah, even more than I just did. Yes. Maybe we should, people, people should send Porter DMs. <laughs> What's his at? Chris M. Porter or something like that. I don't know. So, <laughs> we gotta. Everyone needs to publicly shame publicly him as well. Publicly shame Porter at Porter. I'm yes, let's, sh- let's talk Mueller. Yeah. Let's do it. We got a pile of mule deer on the table. We do. For those of these you can't see, how many bucks do we have right here? Five? Five. These are some dark horned Sonora bucks, and they are so awesome to look at. They're the best, man. Heavy, heavy bases, dark horns. Is this the best thing for you, Brady? Is this just like magic? Oh, yesterday was when I saw those guys walk out, I was like, I think they're going to walk out to grab racks, but I'm not sure. And then they started just three racks in hand. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, to bring them in the office. They started piling up. Productivity went down for a little bit for me. <laughs> not gonna lie, sure. I, was, I was hanging out there and then obviously talking stories and whatnot. And I'm like, I have to do some work, but I don't want to. I want to sit here yeah. and look at these bucks. Fucking deer antlers. Oh, they're they're so impressive. First thing I noticed is the color. Yeah, There's, ironwood. These, these are so dark. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what they're rubbing on. Is that ironwood? What's an ironwood tree? It's it's like a very dense wood. It's like very dense down down there. It's only in the. It, it's only in. It might be in other deserts, but like it's in the Sonoran Desert specifically. Like how, tall, tall, how tall are we talking this tree gets? It's like a, the size of a Palo Verde, okay. but it's just dark, dark trunked, like really dark trunked, really light green, uh, thin leaves, just like kind of that thinner leaf pattern of a Palo Verde. Mm-hmm. But that Palo Verde is like lime green. This is like a dark, dense wood, almost black. And that's what they're rubbing on. And that's why they get some of that red in their horn as well, because once okay. they break that bark, it gets a little more reddish. So yeah. even, even some of like the... Younger deer you saw, are they pretty dark horned? Oh, deer? they're all, uh, all the color of their horns are like, like that. Yeah, all Unless, on it. So I was in a pretty heavily, like there was a lot of ironwood where I was. Um, if you get some other places in Mexico, like that whole Sonoran Desert, which holds deer, I mean, you're talking from literally the border all the way down to, you know, multiple, multiple hours south of Hermosillo on the mainland mm-hmm. there. And it, it obviously changes what, you know, what types of trees and vegetation, vegetation there are. But then it'll, it, as I understand it and talk to a lot of people, it'll morph more into like mesquite trees, which mm-hmm. also holds a dark. So they, they're, they're dark all through Sonora, but ironwood specifically is what makes them the darkest. Yeah. There's, there's a very distinct color when those, yeah. those bucks from Mexico, when yeah. you see the, their, their antlers, they're always typically either like a green, you know, mm-hmm. you often get those like limey green looking yep. bases. Palo Verde. Palo Verde. Yep. Or yeah. Or yep. you get this really dark, almost chocolate brown color. Yeah. And I'm not really much into uh Euro mounts anymore. You know, we always talk about just skull capping them, yeah. like obviously and mounting bucks too, but like. Looking at these bucks right now, almost would be really cool to have one a full euro on yeah. one of these management well, it's, bucks. It's really tough to get them across the border. Oh, because you have to really so clean, have to clean I, them a lot management more. management bucks, I would have done that. Yeah. But to get them across the border, which I appreciate, yep. uh, it, it is a headache, you know, dealing with Mexico. But to get across the border with UF, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, I mean, they inspect the absolute fuck out of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, brain matter, meat matter, all this stuff. So we're not transporting back and forth. Yep. They do have CWD down there. So. Hmm. Um, I, I noticed too. Did you have to do the same thing? So when I went down to Mexico, 
and I hunted on one of Jay's properties yeah. down there, Jay Scott. And uh, we had to sit there because I, I shot a coos deer mm -hmm. and I sat there for multiple nights picking ticks. Ticks, yep. So do you have to do a bunch of tick yep. removal mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, because mm -hmm. you can have, if you basically cross the border, what I remember, if you cross the border or got to the border patrol and you had a tick on there and they found a tick, they could instantly confiscate your cape and toss it away. Yep. It's confiscated immediately. One tick. Yep. So one, that's probably the same. That's probably, one tick. And that's probably the same thing that you're saying brain matter, yes. eye matter, that so sort of stuff. Really, so it's really, it's really, uh, yeah, it's, it's stressful for sure. I would have loved to, to, I would have loved to Euro mount them, but there's a lot of good options out there. Those mountain mic schools oh, yeah, you can yeah. do. I'm going to probably do that on that, that four point and yeah. that two point. I'm going to shoulder mount. That thing is badass. Mm -hmm. I've been searching for a two Rex for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> a two Rex. Yeah. Two Rex. You know, two -rex. Like two Rex. I like that. Everybody yeah. calls them Forkasaurus. I don't like that. Forky's small. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Two Rexes. Rexes. Yeah. That should be a trend. I was just that's trying what I always really call, call them as two Rexes. I was just trying to decide of this pile of bucks, which one would you euro mount? Because, I mean, they're all The, the they're management all four, because he's <laughs> awesome, and he was so old. He just doesn't carry the genetics of some of these other deer. Yeah, they're all big. But the two-point, I'm shoulder mounting that thing. I love this buck. Super yeah. old, seven-and-a-half-inch bases, split eye guards. Yep. It's just mm. awesome. That is interesting with ticks. I mean, it's it's almost like ticks don't migrate. <laughs> yeah, like, they're so serious the about board. it. It is it's stressful. So yeah. that's why that's why you just gold cap them. Yeah, okay. Huh. Which I wish that wasn't the case, you know. But look, you're you know you're dealing with uh, whenever you want to go do something, just like your Marco Polo hunt. Mm -hmm. you, just, you deal with stuff to do stuff, right? It just exactly. comes with the territory, and that's what you deal with. Yeah. How many times have you been to Mexico? It's my. Six or seventh time, maybe to hunt, Six time. hunt, hunt mule deer yeah. and yep. deer, or yep. both. Both. Mm -hmm. I took last year off. Mm -hmm. uh, did a lot before that. Took last year off, and now I'm down again this year. And is it typically? I mean, time frame wise, just mm -hmm. for those people that might not know. I mean, what, what's your typical time frame on when you're looking at going? Mule deer tend to be a lot more consistent than the coos. Um, as far as rut, yeah, as far as rut, and okay. that's what you're trying to time it too, because it it is so hard to put in perspective, just in words, how thick it is down there and how hard it is logistically to hunt the mule deer. Hmm. Like they live in, you know, we're, we're all being from the Southwest, right? You all, you know, the, the juniper carpet, right? Yep. When you look across the sea of desert and it's just junipers everywhere, those have gaps in it. You can still pick things up and shoot and all that stuff. Down there, it is a sea of ironwood, Palo Verde, uh, um, Palo Blanca, you got all kinds of cactus, like crazy cactus, Pattaya cactus. And then you got the, um, starts with an O, Ocotillo. Ocotillo's those things it, are so I mean, brutal. And they're oh. all 15 feet tall. And they all, like their 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 canvas of, of the tree itself is like right at eye level. You can't see anything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really difficult to hunt. So if you're not hunting in the rut, you have no chance of killing, killing these deer. And it's funny, you know, we were arguing when we were down there. I was down there with a lot of Arizona guys. I was with Jay Scott. That's who I went with. Jay Scott. Uh, Phil Kramer, Kramer hunts, Jay Scott, they, uh, Dark Holborn. So that whole group, they have got Mexico super figured. figured out. If you guys are looking, if anyone's looking to go to Mexico, like those are the first three names you guys need to look up is Phil Kramer, Kramer hunts, Dark Holborn, Dark Colborn, and Jay Scott. So like those, those are the guys. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were, I was down there with Phil and Jay and a bunch of other Phoenix guys. We were, we all agreed, but we were kind of arguing on where the line is where mule deer and whitetail completely flip topographies yeah, yeah, we and where they live. Mm -hmm. It's wild. It's like right around Tucson. It's somewhere there. 
mule deer hit the absolute very bottom of the desert floor and whitetail hit the mountaintops. So yeah. like you can glass whitetail all day long. I mean, we were glassing whitetail like crazy. You can glass them from miles and miles away. Mule deer though, unless you are pounding in a high rack or you're at a high point that's four or five miles away to see into, you know, that's high enough to see mm -hmm. into this desert floor, you just, you'll never see them. So you're trying to time the mule deer hunt with the rut. With the like rut. it's the only way you can really hunt them. Um, that's just for the for the sheer fact that they're out moving, they're right? Moving. That, that they're they're covering country looking for because they won't move otherwise. They don't yeah. move. Are they there year round? As far yeah. as like habitats, sheds. I mean, they're 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 out in We're those picking flats. Up sheds. We're they're yep. they're summering there. They're summering mm -hmm. the whole thing, which is not crazy. Much, like, not much of a winter, I would assume. Like you say, when you go north up here, <laughs> mule deer in the mountains. Yeah, coos are kind of down below, and then down you get below. down there, and then you get, they completely flip. It's the weirdest. It's wild, and I mean, you, I'm talking flip like. They are these mule deer are in the river bottoms, like the arroyo bottoms. Mm -hmm. They're not even on like the little ridge tops. They'll they'll work them to get into the next one, obviously, just like a whitetail would, like pinch points and things like that, just like whitetail hunting. But they are like in the very bottom of the arroyos, mm -hmm. far down as you can get. It's mm -hmm. wild. Can, can we talk a little bit about the seasonality? Because like, yeah. you know, up here, well, any of the western states, you know, velvet season, they're stripping, you know, yeah. end of August, first part mm -hmm. of September, and down yeah. there, they're carrying December. velvet. How far? Like December first ish, it's like crazy. November. If you shoot a deer down there in November, it's in velvet. They're and holding velvet that so long. So you can kill. There are people down there that are killing. They have an early exemption for certain rant. You can apply. I don't really understand that. Mm -hmm. But you can shoot them down there in November when they're coming to water because it's still so hot. I mean, it's like wildly hot down there still, and they'll come to water, and you can sit on a water hole and kill some of these bigger bucks before they get into the rut and potentially break or leave or move. They're gypsies down there too. Like these bucks will travel. I mean, there's mm -hmm. just not a lot of density for these does um, that they're traveling for. So, you know, it's, it's, man, it's, it's different down there. It's crazy. And like you, you asked about timing, January 10th mm -hmm. is kind of the, that's the mule deer. They seem to be more consistent. The coos deer, from what I've hunted, I've hunted four hours south of Hermosillo. I've hunted an hour south of the border. I've hunted east, west of Hermosillo. They all seem to be different based on topography. A lot like the U.S. based mule deer rut or like even the elk rut, you know, mm -hmm. some go sooner, some go later. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. right? Coos deer kind of, they're the same way, but maybe a little bit bigger of a spread where some coos will start January 20th and some coos will start February 5th like that. Where I was this time, there was absolutely zero. And I mean, zero rut activity for a coos. We mm -hmm. can still glass them up because mm -hmm. they're up in the mountains and up in the, you know, glassable country. Saw some bucks, nothing that was crazy. Um, they're kind of in that staged up, those big bucks are just kind of holed up getting ready. And, you know, February 5th is probably when they would start going. So it's hard to time them both unless mm -hmm. you're in like the perfect spot. Um, as far as like where it is geographically compared to Hermosillo. And I have been on hunts where it is, but two years ago, I was in a spot where the mule deer rut and the coos deer rut was just absolutely on both fire. of them, both of them. Same oh, time. It must be fun. That was the first time I had had that first <clears throat> time I'd had that in however many times I've been down. What is what are deer densities like? I mean, are there a lot of deer? I mean, how many are, like how many bucks and does are you seeing? You think in an average day? A good day is like five to seven bucks total. That's a good day. Like big bucks or just bucks in general? Bucks in general. Five to seven. One one like fun buck to look at. Yeah. And you know a bunch of just good young bucks. You know what I mean? Like one fun yeah. buck that's like oh maybe it's not a ton. You know, not <laughs> a ton at not, all. Not many. I mean, the densities aren't. They're not great. Actually, I shouldn't say that. They very well could be great, but they're just so hard to see. Gotcha. Especially this year. They've had the most rain 
in the last 50 years this year. So the yeah. vegetation this year was like, I mean, everybody's seen uh, Planet Earth documentaries and all yeah. that, right? What happens to the desert the second it gets water? Yep. I mean, every single one of those things, uh, all the vegetation just flourishes like crazy. So obviously that's benefiting the deer, but is that making it a little bit tougher for you guys to glass and find Way them? tougher. Yeah, because everything's Way just- tougher. And it spreads them out too, which they're already spread out plenty. Like you don't need help on spreading deer out down there. Um, so, I mean, this year could have been a little tougher than just visibly wise. Um, how many, I, how I many mean, does you see in 30? Okay. So pretty decent buck to yeah, doe ratio, yeah. I should say. <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, so everything down there is, it's all ranches. It's all like family owned ranches down there. Um, and they go by hectareas. And, and they're running keep, cattle or this, the one I hunted this year was not. Okay. Um, but I have in the past where they do run cattle. Gotcha. Uh, they call it, uh, Baca. Mm-hmm. Baca is cattle. So water sources pretty prevalent. And if it, so, you're hunting a cattle ranch, yeah, just naturally they have it's, to have water they're going to have to yeah. for the for the cows. Um, and then if you, if any any family down there who takes hunting seriously will build some type of water catchment systems for the wildlife, which mm-hmm. is what was on this place I was hunting. Mm-hmm. This is just, some water catchments. Tanks. Yeah, just tanks. Gotcha. Um, and they've had so much rain this year; they're all full. Uh, every single yeah. one of them's full. Yeah, bomber um, year for for moisture. It's I mean, still I'm, going. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still I'm, raining here. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of rain in Vegas. I was yeah. looking days. at Utah maps. I mean, they're 150 to 200 percent in annual yeah. precip. Arizona's having a banner year. I was talking to some guides in Outfitters, Arizona. Those guys are all saying it's potentially crazy. the best growth year in yeah. a decade. So yeah, so that was Mexico this year. They yeah. got it all in the spring last year. Um, so the, I mean, the densities. It's hard to speak on exactly what the density where I was, but it just, every time I've gone down there, I mean, you're looking at less than ten bucks a day, probably thirty to forty does a day. But it's like, you know, when you have that lower density and a good buck to doe ratio, the chances of seeing a buck that gets you going is much better. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where like some of the places you can hunt in four season Colorado, you'll go mine them with a hundred, one fifty bucks yeah. before you can find the one, mm-hmm. you know, one eighty plus buck. Mm-hmm. Down there is complete opposite. So what about like trophy potential and expectations? Yeah. Like a lot of guys you think of Mexico, big wide bucks or just yeah. giant racks. Is that yeah. like an actual realistic expectation or is that something that just you know, Man. it depends on kind of where you're at or how hard you want to hunt or is it just is Mex- it crazy with big giant deer? Mexico is an interesting place, very interesting place. And you have to be careful with, uh, you know, introduced genetics. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I won't, we won't say names or anything like that, but you know, there, there's a lot of, it's become a whitetail. It's ran the same way as whitetail. So if you, you guys, you know, you guys are familiar with the hunting industry and what has happened with whitetail. There are They're genetically ran, r- ranching for whitetail, ranching yeah. for whitetail. There are genetically pure areas <laughs> to hunt whitetail. And there are areas where genetics, genetics have been introduced, maybe not like the steroided freak, but yep. there's definitely been a bred, a, a certain strategy of bred genetics and then bucks released into that system. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico's the same way. I mean, there's true, you know, steroided freak high fences, which, you know, it's like the liver king, right? If you look at him and think he's natural got a bridge to sell you over the ocean in Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the same. It's just, if you look at a buck and you don't know that it's high, uh, down there specifically, you don't know that it's high fence, like it's pretty easy to tell the high fence bucks down there. Um, the introduced genetics is a big thing down there. And typically, you know, those will be in 
some type of like three-sided high fence or something to just kind of contain so you can kind of get a, a natural feel for, border or yeah, like a natural thing, something yeah is it or, high fence know. pretty common in in mexico there's quite a few quite a few quite and is a few. there do you know is there any different regulation on those or are they ran the no. same i so mean the, they the most you'll the most you'll find high fence for in my experience and now you know granted i'm not a mexico biologist sure. so no i don't want anybody coming after me here i'm just speaking from <laughs> yeah from your total experience. experience of being down there a, a bunch of handful of times I always see the high fence primarily for sheep, for okay, bighorn yeah, sheep. That's you. like, the and then one. they'll kind of do some other species in there, depending on, you're mm -hmm. right, they'll introduce some genetics to the mule deer, coos deer, and, you know, kick them out, whatever. Um, so, you, you, you know, you see some of that. You see like a three-sided high fence to kind of contain, because you can, you know, there's just rules. Everybody, rules are made to, everybody tries to circumvent them. A three-sided high fence breaks the rules you can enter it it's quote unquote free range all this stuff um but then there's then there's the genetically pure mexico right like just like the genetically pure places for whitetail mexico still has those and they're tough to find and that's why i talk about guys like phil kramer jay scott dark holborn um they're and it's fun to hunt those pure sonoran bucks yeah, right you're just hunting deer just mm -hmm. hunting deer and it's purely it's it's purely free range, no introduced anything. And like you're seeing Sonora for what it is, which I personally think, you know, everybody goes down to Sonora for a 30 inch 195 mm -hmm, dark yeah. horn typical. Yep. Like that is what Sonora produces. Like that is the upper echelon of, you know, that's, that's what everybody dreams about is a 30 inch slick four point you know, good eye guard, great eye guards. They all have yeah. good eye guards. I've noticed Man, that. every crazy. one of these bucks yeah. is giant eye guards. And like, that's, you know, that's, what you that's what you picture in your mind now having said that it does always throw a couple non-typicals right they're they're much much less um it's you not know, as common it, right it's just not as common you're like very hard to shoot a true non-typical down there which i'm unbelievably fortunate and blessed to have done this year um completely lucky but then you look at like clay hills buck yeah and it's just a slick Big ass typical. Yeah, and this, like, this other four point here is just a yeah, just giant, a slick, big giant ass typical. Four point. <laughs> you know, and that's like that is when people talk about the pure form of Sonora, like when you really talk about guys who have been hunting Sonora for twenty plus years on mm -hmm. truly free range, under, unintroduced genetics, like that's what that's what's in your mind. It's that mm -hmm. dark horned thirty inch buck. Yeah. So, so if I'm going down there, am I passing up? You know, one seventy-five inch deer trying to hold up for something better. Is there always a potential to it? Like, what's your kind of, yeah, what's a bar kind of might, might be like down I've, there? I've always been a looks guy. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I like look. I don't give a shit about the score. It's always fun to know so you can build the data points exactly. in your head. That's why, you know, I, I do talk about score, but I don't shy away from that. But why I do it is just to collect data points in my mind to mm -hmm. know like what it is comparative to things I've seen in the past, things I've seen killed, yeah. things I've killed myself. Just kind of, just keep my own little mental log of it. Um, but it's, you know, 175, you know, that typical four point. Yeah. I would, you would be passing. Yeah. Cause like other areas, like you won't hunt some places that like, oh, I'm just going to hold out for a one nine inch deer when that area does not ever Doesn't produce one. Yeah. So like you're maybe they're 150 buck is a yeah. trophy or 160 deer is an mm -hmm. absolute giant in that area. And you just have to kind of know what you're going to be getting yeah. into. So, I mean, that, that's two, just why I bring it up. Two years ago, I shot a 188 buck and he's one of the coolest Sonoran bucks I've yeah. ever killed. He's awesome. He, he's unbelievable. He's got a little cheater on him, which again is hard to find in, in Sonora. Um, big three by four frame. He's one of the coolest looking bucks I've ever had. His bases mm -hmm. are absolutely gigantic. 
Yeah, which is still um, a big buck. Still, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, as you look through this pile here, there's the the what the two Rex you call him? Yeah, the, yeah. the two Rex. He's I mean, my that's favorite. A, that's a big deer. He's got a. Uh, I, I mean, mean, he's pushing seven inches on the base. Yeah, giant bases, heavy old buck. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why I like Sonoras. I mean, are you are you seeing age class? Are you seeing young bucks? Are you seeing two points? A lot and, of age class down there, which is fun. Like that's why it's fun to management hunt. Typically, when you go down there, you can shoot management bucks because these ranches. It's, it's ran like, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm making a bunch of sense here, but it's almost ran like a Canadian block for sheep. Like they have a set amount of tags for that block. And then you can, the ranch owner, manager, leasey, whoever it is, you can manage your land off of those number of tags every single year. Um, so there's typically a lot of management hunting because, you know, you look at like the, the states, for example, Clay Hill and I were talking about this. He guides in unit 68 in Colorado. When you do for 20 plus years, when everybody draws these tags and only shoots trophies, mm-hmm. the genetics that are thriving are the bucks that everyone's passing the three points, the two by threes, the three by fours, the old ones, the old ones. Yeah. And like those genetics are the ones that are living on because they're not getting killed. Exactly. So down, it's just like a whitetail ranch. When you, you meet somebody who really takes their whitetail ranch seriously, they're going to be killing twice as many managements as they are big bucks because they're trying to thrive those, those genetics. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in Mexico where you can hunt and kill a management buck and a trophy buck, which mm-hmm. is nice. Cause you're just running on the set amount of, of tags for the ranch itself that you're hunting. Gotcha. So I'm going to go pee. Already? Yeah, yeah. What are we? 30 minutes in? That was pretty quick. My bad. Guys. I'm proud of you though. I'm, I am this proud is actually a good stage in your, in my development. Career. Yeah. Your development. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. We'll be right back. I was just thinking we're going to have to get one of those largemouth Gatorade bottles for the podcast for like yeah. I did on the old the, yeah. the, the bus, you know, in high school. <laughs> like back of the bus. Uh, and we're back. Bottle. We're back. Trail is done. Oh. Taking a leak. Um, Terrible. So Sorry yeah, about that. We were, we were at uh, genetics or size yeah. or whatever. You have genetics and uh, like trope potential expectations yeah. in Mexico. I mean, I, I, think, I think having that 190-inch idea in your mind is totally it's good down there it's realistic mm-hmm. you know and if you see a buck you like that isn't that how's that look yeah. yeah exactly what's the best way to like go to i mean how, how did you end up on this hunt and i mean mm-hmm. for somebody out there that would be interested in going to mexico on either a coos deer or mule deer hunt like how do you approach that yeah how does that work in mexico you got to go through guide or outfitter i would assume yeah so you can make your life a lot easier doing that. Um, This is is what I tell everybody, or at least try to tell everybody, look, it is expensive to go down there. There's no question about it. Like when you look at it, um, it's not any, not anything like insane comparative to some of the insane hunts in the U S right. I mean, it's very, I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. You're talking 2,000, 5,000. For mule deer, typically, yeah, you're, you're pushing 10 plus. And then for, Mm -hmm the white tail you're pushing, you know, 5,500 to 7,500. Okay. Um, and it, I don't shy away from, yes, it's expensive and it is, it's an amazing thing to do. And it is like, I've been extremely fortunate to do some really cool shit at a young, at a young age, like hunt Sonora for the last, you know, long time. Um, but I, I genuinely do think everyone should do it. Like, I think it is something to save for, to do, to try to win hunts in the raffles. Yeah. Like, it is should not be looked over like sonora is a it is a real experience it is a full-blown fucking experience um and, and it's tough too so like if you're looking into do it 
I mean, I've, this is the first, it took me. So last year I took the year off the year before that I was finally in with somebody good who Mm -hmm. we kind of did it on our own, like our own lease, you know, short term lease kind of a thing, but also had some connections down there with, you know, Hispanics and some gear, like a high rack and things. So you can kind of get yourself into these little like sub networks that are below the commercial outfitters. I, I have good friendships in the commercial outfitting industry. Don't go to Mexico with a commercial outfitter. Like just take the time to figure out some of these sub networks to go down there with Jay Scott, um, Phil Kramer, Dar Colborn. That's where I would start. Like yep. their network. Mm-hmm. And that's just me. I'm sure there's other really good people down there um, that have networks similar. But like that's the first thing is to find somebody who truly, I mean, Phil, Jay, Dar, they've been doing this for, I think, I think. Jay and Dar are 20 plus years. And I think Phil said this was a 17th or 18th year. Okay, so I mean, they've got their little thing figured out. I mean, they do it and they also do their, uh, do a bunch of Turkey hunts down there for the Turkey. Yeah, stand. Goulds. So Goulds, you have to go to Mexico yep. and they run. So they've been, they have all kinds of connections down there and it, and it lends itself to having, you know, assets like high racks and, and, you know, ranch places to stay and things. And, um, you know, it, it's, so it's an amazing thing when you get it figured out. I think the commercial side of it, like the truly high scale commercial side of it, is just my gen- genuine two cents here. I would stay away. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I would never tell somebody to go. Their their money's well spent. I just I think it is way overpriced because it is more expensive than what I'm talking. Way overpriced, and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into because they're running it commercially, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't know which hunter you are in camp. You don't know. It, there's all this stuff you can get into. Now, is it still fun? Absolutely. I've done that twice. That's, I was so like, you know, full of piss and vinegar to get to Sonora that I just jumped head first. I'm like, yeah. no research. No, I just want to go. And I went three times, only killed one buck. Um, good buck, but only killed one buck. And then I started to slow down and kind of figure out some of these networks. People have been going down there for a long time. Um, so looking to do it, like just take your time. Don't there, I wasted a lot of money and time if I mm-hmm. would have just, you know, done a little more research, yeah. found a true network that was sub commercial level, you gotcha. know, still running hunts down there, yeah. but like kind of that sub commercial mm-hmm. um, spot. I think it's also cool. The, uh, the DIY stuff that, Oh, it's awesome. The DIY coos. I'm, it's awesome. It's, it's, I'm not sure if there's many DIY mule deer, but I know the DIY coos is pretty big. You need chase. a lot of assets like yeah. high racks and, yeah. so and you know, taking stuff to Mexico isn't necessarily the easiest. It's not hard. Um, you know, proper title, proper insurance to cross the border, get in and out. You got to document it's coming in, document when it comes out. Um, but the travel, I mean, the travel's pretty rough. I mean, you're going through the Sonoran Desert for hours on end. Like, yeah. it's not easy on gear, you know. Um, so, you, I mean, if you want to build your own high rack and do it, you could and do a truly DIY mule deer, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's difficult. Yeah. Coos deer, super easy. I yeah, mean, it's going to be a big price a huge price break and that's typically why it's cheaper is you can get with you know some of jay's leases down there and backpack hunt it just like we would mm-hmm. you know just like we do here in the states and and backpack hunt coos deer all through like some of the most amazing coos country you could ever imagine is that your best opportunity for like 100 inch plus coos you think mexico i think there's something about arizona there's just something about it mm-hmm. mule deer elk coos deer like there is something about arizona that the ceiling for all species pronghorn is it is in arizona whatever the fuck that is reason for it 
But you're also hunting. I mean, you're also trying to come across to either a draw tag or leftover tag or over the counter. And you're also hunting, you know, more heavily pressured areas. So I'm not going to tell you, you know, like you're going down there with the expectations of some of the primo units in Arizona. Yeah. But if you want your best chances at a 110, you know, just solid buck, 110's book for coos. Yeah. I I mean, it sounds small, but that's a book coos deer. Um, that's a big coup. Chances at that, yeah, go to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I've always seen the running joke on the internet. The, the guys who uh, can't kill big coos bucks in Arizona go to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the hunting in Mexico is better. I mean, I'm just being completely yeah. transparent here. It is, you know, it's and, better. Less pressure. And di- mm-hmm. Yeah, dive into it. Why is that? Less pressure. So, uh, And that's because it's managed on a – is it all private? Yeah. So it's all private land, yeah. and it's sectioned out into ranches, yeah. right? And then each ranch is allocated a certain number of permits. Certain, they have to apply for hunting, the okay. ranch itself, from the owner, the family or the owner. They have to apply for hunting, just like Canada does for their blocks of yep. sheep, right? And they get a, a biologist will issue them a the certain amount of permits. tags per, like this the lease I was on had 10 mule deer tags, 15 coos tags, and five javelina tags. So the ranch can manage that ranch. They could kill one deer. They could kill no deer. That if whatever, whatever their management, like. yeah, whatever they want to do with their property. And so it's managed very ground level, just like whitetail. Like whitetail are flourishing back east because it's kind of the same yeah. thing, right? Like these people get multiple tags, so they're shooting more managements than trophies. They're, you know, they're putting their time into create habitat, you know, and it's there's less pressure. So then those landowners are working with uh, an American guide or an outfitter and they're kind of working as the go-between, right? So Typically. The, okay. Or they'll have like a ranch manager, uh-huh. just like a lot of ranches will here. And then that ranch manager will have the connections with the American guides the, or, or the, whatever. The process, you know, outfitter. Whatever yeah, it is. You, whatever con- it you is. contact an outfitter. Correct. And, and, and that's that. why I say you find somebody with these networks mm-hmm. like Jay and Phil and because they have ranch managers down there of these ranches that they can call and and you know get a lease on the land for the whole year for a week for a month whatever whatever it is are you leasing the are you actually like leasing the land you're you're just leasing it for that hunting opportunity right you can do that or you can do long-term leases okay then that's what i've that's what i've just done gotcha is this so the the land i was on i've picked up on a long-term lease for a few years yeah for a handful of years very good. So that's, I mean, that's typically how it works. And, um, I mean, it, it, look, I, I'm a huge proponent of it's an experience, and I genuinely yeah. think people should do it. There is nothing on planet Earth like a Sonoran sunrise or sunset mm. with the mule deer rut the way it is, the coos deer rut the way it is. Like, it's awesome. What do you, what do you have to have, like what ducks in a row do you have to have to, to get into Mexico to go on a hunt? So let's say you've made your contacts, you've, mm-hmm. you're, you're going on a hunt in Mexico. What's the process like of actually going to Mexico? So Did you drive down? I drove, yeah. I prefer to drive. Okay. I've done that. So I've flown twice and driven all the other times. Uh, I've flown three times, driven all the other times. So I've driven more than I've flown. I much prefer that. Bring all your gear. Don't got to worry about anything. So you have a, you know, all your own stuff. You clear customs at the border. Are you using easier. your own vehicle on your hunt mostly? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not on the hunt because I'm hopping in a high rack. High rack. But mm-hmm. I'm using my vehicle to to get there. Gotcha. You know? And that's what you to touched on home. before too, right? You have to register said vehicle. If yeah. you're bringing a four-wheeler, it, it all has to be registered. So to start from the top, you, passport, obviously. I mean, that goes without saying. Gun permit, which is 
they are wildly um, protective of guns, ammo, and what they allow into the country and what comes out at the same time. So, you know, Mexico gets a really bad rap of like this, this lawless place, right? Well, marijuana is illegal. And, and it might be illegal elsewhere. I can only speak on Sonora because that's where I go. Um, illegal. You can't bring alcohol across the border. You get 100 rounds and it has to match the gun you have. Mm-hmm. Your gun permit for 365 days, you're allowed two guns on a single gun permit. It'll last you 365 days. Are you buying a gun permit or is that just something, just paperwork? It comes through. You have to apply for it through the Mexican is government. Is there a fee associated with that? I think it's nominal. Okay. It's very small. Okay. Um, but this is the other thing of why you go with a Phil or a J. They, because they, they know all that. They have all this. It's like, nope. it's immediate. You say you want to go, they send you this, you fill it out, you send it back to them, they apply, it comes back to you in text form, like not even handwritten, like literally text form. So there's no misrepresentation of, you know, the gun serial number, the ammo, the, the optic serial number. So they're, they're super protective. And it is stressful because you cannot mess up a single anything and you're allowed a hundred rounds 100 rounds per weapon that you and you're allowed two on a gun permit i hope i'm making sense here so Mm -hmm. two guns on a single gun permit it'll last you the whole year you're allowed a hundred rounds of each of those guns Mm -hmm. and it has to match the the caliber itself if you are caught down there you know i use the term caught however you want to stop Mm -hmm. down there (laughs) with a with a round that does not match the caliber of gun on your Permit. Gun permit. Yeah. You're not bringing ammo for another friend. We'll gun just leave it at that. It's not good. You're going to be <laughs> yeah. dealing with some shit. I'm not telling you. Sure. Again, they get a bad rap that you're you know yeah. going to prison. It's not like that. But you, it's going to eat up a lot of your time, and it's going to eat up a lot of. It's going to create a big enough headache that you don't ever want to do it again because they have to work through why you have that round, what you mm-hmm. were doing, go through all your stuff. They are highly protective over guns and ammo down there. We'll, we'll throw a slight twist in there so when i went to mexico with jay and the cooster hunt in 2013 i only took a bow yeah and taking a bow across there was the easiest thing in the world yeah they don't care much for bows i didn't have to do i still had to like do some sort of what weapon i'm taking the arrows but i did not have to do the hard security checkpoint i have to get through there didn't have to go to the military area it was just like oh you have a bow they kind of like laughed like like one of the rare guys who just take a boat to Mexico, and it was yeah, like not a lot of people process. do that because no. the chances of <laughs> I, got, I got made fun of a lot taking a boat to a gunfight, but like, yeah, yeah, the bow hunting. Bow, I mean, you could bow hunt in November, December for sure when they're coming to water. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this time of year, man, I don't know how you did that to this day. Yes, <laughs> it is just wild, and the bucket it's crazy killed. to me. Um, so how long are you at the border when you go through? How how long hour. is that? Pro- an hour? Yeah, and it's pretty quick. Super quick. They, they yeah, there's this, there is a real strategy of border crossing, though, very much so. So the strategy that we have employed the last so many years we've been driving down is get to the border the second it opens. And they all have opening times. So depending on what port of exit or entry you're going through, there is an opening time. And get there five minutes before it opens. Is there a line? So every time I've done that, I wouldn't say there's a line, but there are other cars, maybe a handful, yeah. but not a line. Um, if you and, hit it midday, there's a line. Oh, there's a line. It gets back. Depending up. on again, depending on the crossing, there are some crossings that are like pretty secret, so to speak. I shouldn't say secret, but like not a lot of reason for Just not as utilized traffic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's there's a strategy there. Get there the second the border opens. Be very easy. Military, the Mexican military and police get there at the same time. 
U.S. officials get there. Everyone shows up at the same time. So you kind of have like each department there like ready for you and not, not a line where they're all spread out. So there's a big strategy in that. Um, and then having your paperwork there. So with vehicles, what we were getting to is you have to have the original paperwork. It cannot be copies of the vehicle. It has to be original um, title, not, not title. That can be copy okay. original uh, insurance card or, or registration. Hmm. So, so insurance res- registration has to be the original cannot be a copy. And that's what will grant you access with your vehicle in there. And they will document it. Um, And then as you travel through Mexico, there will be, like I've said multiple times now, they are very protective over weapons and ammo. There will be multiple checkpoints. Every time I've done it, I've hit multiple checkpoints, military stops. In Mexico. In Mexico, where they will, you'll pull over because they know you have a lot of gear in your truck. Because they'll pull through, they'll see all your gear. And Cazadors is hunter, means hunter. So they'll they'll say Cazador. And you'll pull off to the side. And they'll just, because they know you will have some type of weapon, right? And they will check all your weaponry, your permission, your uh, gun permit. And they will call back to the border to make sure that you were crossed. It's legal. And then they, you're mm-hmm. good, you're traveling. And so it'll happen. And it's not like, you know, I love my wife to death. And but she would probably be a little shook up about that. I actually like it. Sure. I mean, it makes me feel more safe, yeah. right? That, that the right Mexico gets this horrible rap. Are those just standard checkpoints? Or standard, are they, are you're standard not, checkpoint. You're not getting pulled over? No. You're not standard, getting red you're, just, no you're pulling through. Like everyone on that highway is, is going through that through, checkpoint. And they'll see, you know, that you're a hunter with mm-hmm. a bunch of gear. They'll say Cazador, and then they'll check your coolers, and they'll check your gun permit and they'll call back and make sure you cross the border legally and that was checked in so are they checking your other gear are they looking through your backpack are they looking through your coolers are they, they check with like magnets and something else for ammo that's what they care that's about. It. ammo is what they care about gotcha is there any other safety concerns when you're going down there did you ever feel like it's look knock on wood it's been smooth sailing yeah um it's been smooth sailing and, and just the greatest nicest people and they, they have a lot of respect for a white guy or a gringo being able to speak Spanish. They have a ton of respect for that. That goes over with flying colors. If you got somebody in your group that speak can, Spanish. oh, they love it. They think it's like, there's a lot of respect for that. I mean, we're going to their country, right? What Americans are kind of assholes about it too. Like if you're going to be here, you know, it's, they appreciate that you are prepared or have somebody in the group to help what's, you know, help the communication. Because in Sonora, like when you're in these, small towns and ranches like it's not americanized mm-hmm. at all i mean it's it's spanish yep. so it helps a lot um that's just a little two cent thing if you Find have somebody you a, good, in a, group, a good return a good, mormon missionary there's exactly. loads of them floating that's around what that's what i, I parker parker fails <laughs> was with was with us and uh oh he made it he made it awesome for us and they love it man they just yeah you know and then you start telling jokes and it becomes yeah. way more relaxed right um but the other like concerns I compare it. I compare it a lot to. Look, I was born and raised in Vegas, right? There are certain places you do not. Yep. You just don't be there when the sun goes down. Just don't do it. <laughs> I kind of feel like Mexico is the same way, right? Like it's a new country, so I don't know why you'd be doing that anyways. But like travel in daylight. Don't be in towns at night. Like it's pretty simple, right? Like don't be in downtown Chicago at midnight. Exactly. Pretty yeah. simple. Pretty. The U.S. I feel like is not that different. Yeah. 
Um, if you're headed down there to hunt, you're, you're headed out to a destination, right? Like you're headed out. Are you hitting, are you mostly on, you know, paved road and then you're hitting the dirt? All paved. All paved. I mean, it's nice highways too. Gotcha. And then from there. I should say, I I use nice, like, you know, Nevada, Arizona nice because I get beat by the sun all through the summer. Sure. But you know, nice as a desert highway. And then you're hitting dirt road and headed out to the ranch or is it pretty well paved all the way? You'll hit a dirt road at some point where logistically their ranches like U.S. is a little more logistically sound with highways and county roads. Theirs is like a ranch road. Out, yeah, I guess you know that's what, I mean? what I'm driving at is what's yeah. the navigation like? Like, did you have a hard time getting yourself out there? It's easy. I mean, I got all my navigation and go hunt maps before. You got right? all your points. So you, all my points and exactly where to go. Um, but like, there's no, it's not like, a, I want to say a county road, like a Nevada county dirt road. Sure. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh, I was, this particular one, like I said, this is my first year of many to go down there on this particular place. It was 14 miles of dirt road. Well, that's not too bad. Not, te- not no. terrible. What are your uh, accommodations like when you get out there? Are most places you're, they have like a ranch, that like a house that you can stay in? Or yeah, is I've, there ever I, situations where you're camping out there? I'm not the smartest, so I can't remember, but I think it's called an estancia, like a ranch house. It's what they would yeah. call like a Spanish, their ranch house. Um and those those will wildly vary. <laughs> I've so two years ago I stayed in one. We just picked up this this ranch last minute for a coos hunt. This was two years ago, um, going down there with some buddies of mine, and it was I'm not kidding one of the nicest places hmm. I have ever oh, stayed. Wow. Like, and I mean ever. It was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it was like ultra modern desert, you know, swirl cactuses surrounding and the red cliffs, and it was it was unbelievable. That was kind of an outlier. Um, this particular lease that I'm on now it is a great house. Super, I mean, great house. Nothing too, nothing flashy about it. Nothing like ultra special about it, but just like a nice, solid, yeah, nice place. well-built, mm-hmm. you know, holds bed, the kitchen. nice, cool, yeah, beds, kitchen, kind of holds shower. a nice, cool, yeah, shower. Sometimes the showers, Be I've careful, seen Be careful, but yeah. you got a shower, right? Yeah. Like just don't mm-hmm. use all the water kind of a thing. Yep. Um, got to manage, got to manage the water. Um, and then I've also been down there where it's like canvas tents, which is totally cool too. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it just depends on hunting comes first, obviously for yeah, you're down all, there to go hunting. all of us sickos in our mind. Like I don't give a shit what yeah. anything else is. I just want the hunting to be yeah. good, yeah. you know, spend my time as best as possible. And just kind of the cherry on top is when it's, it's a well-built, nice house. Gotcha. Everybody I talked to that's been in Mexico hunting, they all talk about the food. Oh. oh gosh! Yeah. Everyone's like, food is so good down there. The, the food's incredible. Yeah, I mean that's well. I'm on carnivore, so oh yeah, you know, a lot of carne is, yeah, Getting back to the whole new year, new me bullshit, which I don't believe in. <laughs> that's why I start in November, just because I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I now I have been to Mexico twice because I went to Cabo, took my family to Cabo on the the break between Christmas and New Year's for a little family vacation at post hunting 2022, pre hunting 2023. You know, just get some yeah, family starting time off in. the year with a bang. Yeah, and I stayed carnivore then, which was not easy. And then this is my first hunt staying carnivore, um, which was interesting. We can get into that later. <laughs> it was it was interesting. I felt it for sure. I haven't felt it like a weird thing until you know doing those long endurance coos hunts and only having it. it was it was interesting. Anyways, the food though, like I can speak on it. My my last handful of times going down, it is unbelievable they make handmade tortillas that like the the uh beans the mm. rice they make the 
I mean, there's a huge barbecue culture down there. So this is a cool thing about being carnivore in Mexico. If anybody yeah, gives a, of, a shit or a lot, of pro- anybody, a lot of protein, there is a huge, a huge farming and barbecue culture. So yeah. it's like super easy to go get carne asada just anywhere. Yeah. Like every night is, uh, and this is what, this kind of gets into more of a price differentiation, so to speak, is like having a chef or a, a cook in camp, just like, you know, you think about an American outfit yep. yeah. camp, they have a, a cook. It's mm-hmm. going to add a little bit. Um, I think it's very smart to do because all you want to do is hunt and maximize your time hunting. So you show up to food and you know, that kind of a thing. And man, they're, they're always barbecuing something amazing (laughs) and bringing in fresh fish from Sierra Cortez or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, the food is incredible. Guacamole Mm. salsas, which I couldn't have any of, and it fucking killed me. (laughs) The carnivore is so easy for me to do here, but the two times I've been to Mexico, I have been within... I mean, uh, the last twine of a rope of breaking <laughs> both times. It is so hard because the food's so fucking good. Yeah, I've never been down there to hunt, but everybody I've talked to that has said the food's amazing, and it's just part of the, the entire trip, you know? It I, is part if, of it. If I go down there, um, and, and like you're saying, I, I don't know that I will, but I want to, you know? Yeah. I, I think everybody probably should try to do it at least once. But Everyone should. I mean, that's the part of it I'm I'm looking forward to as far as yeah. like the whole experience. You know, yeah. I want I want the food, the sunrises, the sunsets yeah. to, to, there, to go along with the hunt. There's two things I truly wish everyone was able to experience, and it's just not the case. It's just life itself. But I've, I genuinely, like from the bottom of my heart, wish everyone could experience a Canadian sheep hunt mm-hmm. and a Sonoran deer hunt. Like those are just... Those are top two. I wish, I wish it was possible for everyone to be able to do it, but it's just not the way... It's not the way it works. So I feel like if anybody's willing to, you know, sacrifice for either of those two, I'm telling you it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, just gotcha. my two cents. I'm telling you it's worth it. So how many guys um, in camp? So, uh, so I had me, Clay Hill, and a guy named Brent Scott. We were the hunters. And then here's the thing about Mexico is everyone loves Mexico and everyone just wants to go. Yeah. So then we had, I mean, you always have people, I'll, I'll come help. I'll come help. I want to go down. Do you care about camp? Like yeah. just cover my food, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Come on down. Yeah. So we had Clay Bundy, just the absolute legend of all legends, mule deer hunter. And I've known him through the grapevine. I met him a couple of times. He's obviously a big West Western hunter yeah. guy, Arizona strip legend. So if you're a big mule deer guy, you obviously know who that is. This is the first time I've shared a camp with him. I'm like, you're in love. Oh, I'm a fanboy. He is just, <laughs> he is, he is as good as it gets for people. Yeah. Like he's just, he's the best. Yeah. I can't say, I'm trying to remember if I've ever met him. I, I've, we have mutual friends. And I know the guys that know him and they all speak real highly. Of oh, him. he's, he's just the absolute, couldn't say enough good things about him and his partner in Clay Bundy Outfitters on the strip, Parker Fails, just a unbelievable solid guy young guy he's 27 or 8 years old and those guys are in camp just to be part of it just, just to hang out just, yeah just, just to, to be glass, a part just to yeah, see, see Sonora see, deer, see yeah. what it's like just to, they don't have there's nothing going on here gotcha you know and it's it's awesome so we had them a couple guys from Phoenix uh, some of Jay Scott's buddies that I met down there um, Luke and Robert Todd the Todd brothers they were out of Wilcox Arizona um, well, there's Preston three, Mercer three of you hunting right yeah three of us hunting Preston okay. Mercer He's a wildland firefighter out of Flagstaff. He brought his his three sons down, uh, um, Colden, Garrett, and Levi. They're 19, 17, and 15. It's just kind of a people yeah. want to go, yeah. you know? So it just makes it fun, and everybody's happy to be there. And, you know, 
the food. I wasn't drinking any beers or eating the food, but Clay Hill <laughs> was, you know, and I just had to watch was, him like a fucking idiot. He was there like, why? What? Great willpower. Ruining <laughs> my willpower is too good. Was he I making up for you? Was oh, he, yeah. he was drinking your portion. Oh, he was Takates <laughs> at night with lime and hot sauce and <laughs> about a million tortillas a day. Him and Brent Scott both. Um, That's but it's funny. like it is. It is a true. Like think about. I keep comparing it to whitetail. Um, management wise, but also think of it as like the old whitetail deer camps where the just everyone's there, everyone's yep. having a good time. You show up the fireplace at night, everyone's talking about what they did, saw that day, what they killed that day. There's a new buck rolling up to camp every day with management bucks, and mm-hmm. you know, um, we had a buck get killed by a lion, which got killed like from our the our best guess from trail cams to when we found the deadhead five to 10 days before we got there. It's an absolute giant. Yeah, it's a so monster. we brought that back to camp and then we like waged war on the lions. We're like trying to strategize what we were going to do. It's just fun. It's like one of those, it's a true deer camp. Like, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people talking about what they saw, you know, phone scope footage of coos deer or whatever it is. And it's, it's a true deer camp, just like a whitetail camp. Yeah. But it's mule deer, right? Like it's as good as it gets. It's absolutely yeah. as good as it gets. So amazing. Those are fun hunts. I think you got to have some of both. I mean, I'm, I'm with Brady in that I like those long grind out by yourself hunts absolutely. and to see what happens. But those hunts where you've got a base camp and you've got maybe five or 10 guys. Camaraderie. And, and yeah. And everybody's kind of hunting. I mean, you and I, we went with, uh, Randy and those guys to Arizona. We were hunting yep. coos. It was really fun every night to come back to camp just to see the cool, cool stories. Yeah, yeah, cool stories. Sit around, have dinner with people, yeah. shoot the bull. You know, if somebody was lucky enough to kill a buck. It was really fun to go out and, and look see at it. it. Yeah, talk hear, about it. hear the whole story. And yeah. we all grind so hard here in the West, right? Like we, yeah. I mean, we grind plenty. There's nothing wrong with kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, staying yeah. at a nice place down there and less pressure the the camaraderie in camp like it's a it's an awesome way to finish the season mm-hmm. what's your day like as far as hunting long days yeah i, I Real can long days. i can imagine because you- the the deer i mean they rut so hard i mean they're a sonoran mule deer they are anybody who wants to argue this with me i'll gladly do it but like an entirely different species of mule deer like they just they act different they look different they are just different like I know people say they're not that different from Western slow. I can't tell you how different these things are. And they rut like a fucking pronghorn. Like when, when it's on, I mean, so you're, you're up, you know, hour and a half, two hours before sunrise, you're traveling to whatever grounds you want to go to, depending on bucks that were seen before or bucks on camera, you can't hunt down there. Like you can't have a specific buck in mind unless you're running cameras. It's, it's the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we were doing. So we knew what bucks were there and you were just kind of trying to, to round them up or circle them up. But the best of your ability was somebody on a glass. You're point, trying to two identify an area just that trying, you might yeah, put you yourself know. into and that the, you could the, then glass them up. And the glassers aren't saying like, I have the buck. They're saying like, I have, I have deer go that way. Maybe it's him. I have a thing. buck. Yeah. yeah like or I, some does. Sometimes not even a buck. Like, yeah. Hey, I got white butts three miles out, yeah, like go check it and you'll, you'll go try and check it. Um, so you're, you're traveling to like grounds, just trying to kind of triangulate these, these bucks you're after. And you're, I mean, you're usually out there, you're pounding the high rack for, this is mule deer specifically, you're pounding the high rack from sun up till noon and you're so exhausted by then. Like, it's kind of funny to say you're tired from high racking cause it's not, you know, you're not like busting yeah. your ass getting up a mountain, but visually like your vision, just trying to pick through all that, all that jungle canopy, like just trying to pick through and find a butt or a horn. And you're, you know, you're driving five, seven miles an hour 
and you're standing the whole time and it's rocky and it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tiring in its own way. Like yeah. we don't train for that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I can yeah. train my, it's, I train in the weird, gym all day to go up a mountain. Yeah. It's kind of a weird method. Genuinely hard, but this is like a different kind of difficult. So you kind of need that, like, like let your eyes rest. It's like when you glass for a really long time and you kind of need to. How high is the high rank? Like how, how far, how high in the air are you? Top are you of talking? A, the top of the cab, like your feet are on the top of the cab. Okay. So how, how is everything like built and attached? To a vehicle like the high rack well, thing. Is it the, gets a little sketchy or that's is it? the other part about finding yeah, a good like guys who don't know it like explain you got, the process you got some works. you got some ones where you got a high risk of accident and i've seen yes. the ones and i've been in the ones where i'm like um i need to keep my legs underneath me in case i gotta jump like i can't ever take it easy in this high rack like i gotta gotta figure this out and then there's other high racks where you're like whoever built this needs to be a straight up full blown engineer. Like this thing is perfect, <laughs> right? There is, there is the, you've run the racket of which ones you, you in the networks you're in. The other cool thing though, too, is like going all through these little towns in Mexico, there's high racks everywhere. Oh, really? There's a, there's a big hunting culture. Mm -hmm. Like there's a huge hunting culture down there more than I would have ever expected. Like ever. I'll never forget when I flew into the Hermosillo airport the first time, like their version of TSA, their security walking by their lockers and they all have like Sonoran deer like stickers mm -hmm. and hand-drawn bucks that they've killed or been a part of killing it's a pretty cool culture down there with the, the Hispanics themselves like you know call it like ranch managers or guides or what they always have family that come help killing a big deer down there it's the same as us sure. like if you kill a big deer it's like yeah people talk about it. Yeah. people talk about it like oh you know Jesus killed a 220 this year. Mm -hmm. Like everyone talks about it. It's a, it's a thing down there. And I wouldn't have necessarily expected it because you don't hear about it. Yeah. But it's it's going on down there. Mm -hmm. There is a real culture of, of hunting. Like when on my military, just anecdotally real quick, on my military checkpoint on the way back, saw two of these bucks and he asked Parker what they scored. Like he just, yeah. they know. Like it's a, it's a thing down there. Well, who doesn't love a big buck? Uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's... Uh, I mean, they got a, a real hunting culture down there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. When you're when you're seeing deer from a high rack, I mean, what kind of distances are you looking? Are you are you glassing? Are you basically like are they within a couple hundred yards typically? And you're if just you can, looking for movement. If you can see one hundred yards, you're in a good spot. Okay, so you're not you can't see very far at you're all. You're in a good. Ever. If you can see a hundred yards, you're in a good spot. So you're kind of just poking along and you're glassing. You're throwing your binos up as you go, and you're just looking yeah. for any kind of movement. Yeah. There's a there's a saying down there. So there's quick shooting. And then there's Sonoran quick. Oh. So like down wow. there is Sonoran quick. Like if you aren't Sonoran quick, you got no chance of shooting the buck. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Like it's a skill that you, you pick up. I've been doing it a couple of times. It is, it's a skill. And there's a lot of trust in the people that are in the high rack with you. Cause like, you don't, you don't look at the deer, right? You don't, you don't, as the, as the shooter, everyone's got a job and you don't look at the deer. Like you get on the gun. Hmm. body and scope and listen to somebody say yes it's him like it's the one we're hmm. after or no it's management shoot it or yeah, right a lot, like, a lot of trust a lot of trust so like it's nice to be there with clay hill and clay bundy i mean we were so yeah. in the high rack i spent a, pretty much all the days in the high rack with clay hill and clay bundy and we we had a nice little system going and that's why we got a lot of bucks killed because everyone kind of we knew who the shooter was what was going on like are you just it like resting a gun on like a rail or like oh, trying to hop it's off real offhand. quick? I shot my buck offhand. It's crazy. I actually, we can get into the hunt story yeah, later. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. 
Um, but a lot of like either offhand or like just on the railing real quick. I mean, you're shooting a hundred yards like that's typically, but you're also shooting through like he'll clear a Palo Verde going into an Ocotillo and that's your, that's your shot window. Mm -hmm. Like that's all the shots, all the shots are that. And these bucks down there, this is the other thing about being different. They, they, they're genetic, their bloodline, whatever it is, they know to get behind a tree and just let the doe stay out. Yeah. So like if they hear you coming or they see it's a lot it's not so much noise down there what I've what I've noticed in you know the last handful of times it's not noise so like the high rack going cuz they're very used to vehicles yeah, moving around moving on a around ranch they're on the ranches mm -hmm. right it's just the same thing as here they're very used to it. If you break eyesight with him totally changes the game. Like they see you know you breaking mm -hmm. skylight with in the high rack and they it's totally different game. So like it's it's quick, man. So the second you can roll up on them where they're where they're in that hundred yard window either side of the rack, and you better have, you know, you better have your gun on them immediately, right? When you see so as soon as somebody sees a deer, you're yeah. on the gun. Yeah. It's and then the other quick. two the other two guys in the truck are are looking verifying. for verifying, looking yes. for antlers, saying yeah, shooter not a shooter. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever have spotters up there somehow mounted to anything, or is it all just bino? Oh, uh, it's bino and like quick. Don't have big binos. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect spot for image stabilization binos on those little bumpy roads. Oh, like be if you great. Can flip that switch and that just would be, locks it in. That would be phenomenal. That'd yeah. be amazing. But that that's a Noren quick. That's a real thing. <laughs> that's a real thing. And I'm not to throw Brent under the under the bus here, but he missed Clay's buck. It was just, it was too quick, and he just had to squeeze off a shot, kind of hoping a prayer thing. Gotcha. Clay, Clay Hill. I mean, talk about Sonoran quick. That was the fastest I've ever seen somebody shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. Talk about Sonoran quick. How Holy are you shit. packing your gun? You just got it on your shoulder? There's a gun rack in, in the rack. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it's like, it's there, but I mean, you, you kind of hold it though as well. Cause you just never know. Yeah. So it's like always trying to manage your energy level of like, how long am I holding this gun for? Am I going to set it down for a couple minutes? So what I'm thinking about during this is it might be not to my advantage to have a really heavy rifle down there. Oh, no. Because if you might have to take a free hand You shot. want short-barreled, light. 25 out 6, that's what you need. Oh, Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. But then you, you're you always shooting through something. Always. Oh, yeah. You want some, you need, you're always you punching through. A little through, weight to it. Yeah, you're always punching through some type of vegetation. Gotcha. Hmm. Take us through the story. So, I mean, we got a pile of deer. I don't know yeah, how you want to tackle this, but I, you, you've kind of mentioned... I mean, just to preface it, I guess you killed a giant buck. Yeah, luckily, you, entirely. You killed did. a giant deer. I mean, how big is it? It's big. It's it's, it's as big as it gets for Sonora. It's, for a pure Sonoran genetic, it's as big as it it's, gets. It's big. It's one of the bigger Mexico bucks that I've seen. To yeah. be mm -hmm. honest, that I can. I was thinking about that today when I was looking at yeah. it this morning when I got here. You know, you go to a hunt expo or you talk to buddies that have been to Mexico, and I think about the deer they've shot. It's one of the bigger bucks I, I think yeah. I can remember seeing from Mexico. They've been in a severe drought, mm -hmm. horrible drought. You think we're in a bad drought. They have been in a severe drought until the last two years, and this last year being the best rain in the last 50 years. So it's going to, it's gonna, mm -hmm. you know, benefit the yep. wildlife, and it definitely did this year. So that's why he is so big. Yeah. Was that the first buck that you killed? Down there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Down there, yes. So he was on camera a lot on a water hole. Um, and we knew we knew he was there. He was a resident buck. Like I said, I picked up this lease uh, with Jay. And we knew he was there. We had no clue how big he was because trail cam pictures and just Sonoran mule deer in general, they're built so different 
they're they got these big old shoulders and necks especially in the rut and then they've got these tiny little skinny butts so like if you ever see them looking away from you or head on it like it doesn't look right because they're not filled out through the body like we're used to in western mule deer yeah. and body wise they're smaller deer right much smaller mm -hmm. much smaller they get big heads though which it, it makes it really hard to yeah. especially trail cam so you know we were thinking he was big he's a shooter but like nothing crazy well traveling down there phil kramer was was there before us he was there a couple of days before us and some of the guys were just kind of trickling trickling into camp everybody wanted to go hang out with us I say that like we're fucking cool or something, but you know, people wanted to go <laughs> they see to Mexico. Big, they want to look yeah. at big deer. They wanted to go see Mexico and hang out. I mean, we, they look at the pile of antlers. Who gives a shit about me, here, me and yeah. Clay, but me and Clay Hill, everyone cares about Clay Bundy, but me and Clay Hill, like they did not want to hang out with us. They just wanted to go to Mexico. <laughs> so a couple of them were trickling in a couple of days before, just based on their, uh, their, you know, scenarios of when they could travel. And Phil turned up this buck the morning of me getting there, the morning of me and Clay showing up in our vehicle, we showed up at like noon. Um, so he'd been out that morning and, and seen Phil it. Phil had seen it. He had seen it. And so really cool thing about down there too. So Clay Bundy is the same. He's a, he's a tracking wizard because that's, that's what, a, what it takes a lot of the time on the strip. And it's an art that's been kind of lost in the yeah, States. I agree. But Clay, Largely. Clay Bundy has kept it because where he hunts, is it's very particular for there well the in mexico they have not lost it because mm. they're in this jungle like they they are very much tracker tracker men is that the right term tracker, Track, men? tracker Track, mentality yeah. they're, they're tracking deer they they are so good at it mm. and he had a wonky front right hoof and uh jesus one of the one of the ranch managers who lives on that ranch has noticed his has noticed his track for the last couple of years. And obviously he was on camera this year and we, he knew it was the same buck from his track. Uh, hope I'm making sense here. Cause it's kind of a long backstory, but, um, so he, he had a, a weird front right hoof. Yeah. He had like a 90 degree. You could tell that there right was a different angle hoof, to that. And then he had a really overgrown dew claw. Like you ever <laughs> seen those yeah, real yeah. long overgrown dew claws? So he had that and then like a hard jag on the right part of his front right hoof. Gotcha. And Jesus was, pulling cameras one day and saw his track and it was like wildly different from where this buck was a resident early on when we knew he was big shooter we didn't know how big whatever but we were excited like oh man you know picked up this uh, like got this land this is going to be awesome hopefully he stays like i said they're gypsies down there they could travel who knows how who knows yeah and uh but uh jesus picked up his track and like kind of tracked him into the area he was phil kramer went out there and and Parker fails and Clay Bundy were down there. They, they got embedded. They found embedded. Somehow, miraculously, he was bedded close enough to a glassing point. Not close by yeah. any terms of like shooting mm -hmm. or good glassing, but close enough to know it's him. Big it, inline. Is he running right. does? He was running the shit out of does. <laughs> like the shit out of does. So he's so, not going to go anywhere probably. So I pulled up at noon. He bedded. And so Phil hit us on the radio he's like you guys need to get in the high rack he's bedded like he i've never seen a deer rut this hard he's going to be bedded for the rest of the day like yeah. he is stoved up he's, he's been getting rough. after it yeah he's rough so we're like cool so we get there i'm like this is awesome like no wait time at all yeah. like not only is it yeah, one of our bucks from camera that we were excited about like he's here he didn't yeah. leave holy shit and so i i told clay hill i'm like this is getting in the high rack it was probably one of the most nervous I've ever been I've always I'm I 
kind of pride myself. If you're a hunter and have total mind control, you you don't like hunting enough. <laughs> but I've always been, I've always felt like I have pretty good like head control, my yeah. head space of hunting and expectations yep. and staying calm in the moment, being a killer when you need to kill, right? And I was like, I was kind of spun out because I just wasn't expecting it. I mean, I just traveled. Yeah. I, I, like I'm there. Not only is it a deer, it's the deer Mid- we midday. were excited about. It's midday. It's noon. He's got him bedded. So I'm like taking real deep breaths, like on the drive out there. And I'm like trying to, trying to get controlled. And I, it, I could not like calm myself That's down. the best feeling. Couldn't calm myself though. down. It was one of the, it's one of the, I mean, it's the only time I can remember. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to me in the past too, but. Man, I just couldn't couldn't control myself, and I couldn't get calm. So I kept telling Clay Hill, "I'm like, man, like I just I need to calm down. I need I need to get situated here." Were you ever like Clay? I don't think I can get this under control. This one's on. Never you, said but that. You, you take this because the second you say that, then it's fully out of control. When you keep, you can keep, you can uh, trick your brain he into ever, if you say to yourself, "I need to get under control," yeah. and don't ever acknowledge that I have lost it. Once you acknowledge <laughs> that, it's game over, in my opinion. He never volunteered and the, said, "Hey, I'll take a mulligan here. If, no. you, if you need to punt this one to me, I'll." <laughs> the I'll mind is it. an amazing thing. So I just, you know, I was telling him that and. Anyways, he's bedded, and he's like 80 yards off the road. <laughs> Could not see him. No shooting lane. Couldn't see him. Bedded. Those guys can see him. all up. around him. Uh, Phil could see him in his bed. Gotcha. He could just see his horn turning. It's midday, so like you, his mm-hmm. horn is glowing, right? And he's got enough elevation to see through the canopy. And he's like, he just, we could not see him. I mean, we did the, the shakedown just driving forward reverse forward reverse trying to open up a, a pocket like a shooting hole and just could never do it finally he like towards the end of the night he stood and phil was like i think he's going to come out to the right and so we just the truck we had been sitting on the truck truck turned off just sitting in the high rack waiting for him to stand to see if we could see him he stood could never see him and then he's like he's facing to the right so i picked a pocket to the right between a choya and a palo verde and that sucker walked right through it perfectly, oh walked right through it. But, you know, Clay Hill, Jay Scott, I didn't have Clay Bundy with me in the high rack at this point. I had Jay Scott and Clay Hill with me. And Brent was actually in the high rack with us too. They're all standing, glassing. Well, the gun, especially with as nervous as I was, being a, it was weird. Like I'm down on the rack. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a solid 30 inches lower than them so yeah. he clears the choya and all of them are like shoot 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 and i all i could you see, pulled a porter on him <laughs> you know that you know that dark black <laughs> you, to move. you know that dark black stripe down their neck oh and like, yeah and sonoran bucks have it in spades compared to a western a western uh slope deer it's just so dark that's all i could see but i saw his right horn and that's his big horn with yeah. the inline with the big inline and it walked right through and honestly it was the best thing that happened because I couldn't shoot. I didn't shoot. And they're all like, why don't you shoot? I'm like, I'm 30 inches lower than you. Like, I'm not going to, it's first day. Like, I'm not doing that on this deer. Like, I know we want to get this deer killed. We've been excited. He didn't leave. It's a miracle. He didn't leave. Um, Like, I know we got to get him killed, but I'm not taking that shot. And it was honestly good because after that, I started to calm myself down. I'm like, okay, I saw him. It's all good, whatever. So Phil, he re-bedded. Yeah, I don't know if he felt pressure. I don't know if the wind changed, whatever it was. Um, he he went like 80 yards and rebedded underneath this swaro with a big arm that came out to the right. And um, so I, we're sitting there on him. It's like 
hours and hours and hours just sitting in that the long. Sun. Oh, it's a long time. Like the day is going by. The day is and going you're, by. And you're within. This is noon. This how, is now. How far out do you this think is he now is? Four o'clock. Hundred yards. Oh yeah, hundred twenty yards. So he's oh, under hundred twenty yards, and you're there four hours just nothing. And, and you know right where he's at. Right where he's at. Oh yeah, Bedded. giant that close. Did so you ever? Did you ever Hill, think like, oh, I'm gonna climb down here and make Clay, a little? So Clay Hill and I were talking, and this is where sometimes our aggression gets the best of us. But there's a lot of time where it works out too. Clay Hill and I, we've had a lot of success running and gunning, yeah. like just being ultra aggressive. Him and I have hunted a lot over the last 10, 11 years. And every time we've been like ultra aggressive, it has seemed to shake out properly. And so uh, him and I are talking, we're like, should we just Indian style just stalk this thing? Just, mm-hmm. just stalk him, see if we can get him in his bed, like bow range. And him and I both were like, we have Phil kind of eye in the sky to see where this buck goes. And we can go in there and stalk him and see what happens. So him and I get out, and it's loud. You guys ever seen the cartoon Grinch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he's yeah. sneaking on what's-his-name's mm-hmm. house. He's like, this yeah, is the loudest yeah. snow I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. It's so – I've laughed with my son every time in that scene because that's how I feel every time I try to bow stalk. Well, this was, like, beyond that. I mean, the rocks down there are so loud. So we're, like, tiptoeing through. Can't take your boots off down there either because of the, all the yeah. cactus. And it's just, just not a good feet. plan. So we're going like step by step as slow as can be. And we get to a uh, saguaro cactus that we wanted to get to that was closer to us and not quite to the deer. We thought it would put us about 100 yards. And I, something catches my eye to the right. And that sucker is up and walking right at us because now we're in between him and his does. Mm. And by the way, the wind picked up in the in the evening down there. The wind will pick up and be pretty consistent. So that's ultimately why we decided to do it. The wind was staying pretty, you know, five ten mile an hour consistent. So you're downwind um, of him. You between him yeah, and his does. And so the temperature rises and drops so mm-hmm. much. So mornings and evenings yeah. there is a very steady wind because just the temperature changes yep. and really no low pressure to speak of. At least when we were down there, I know there was a rainstorm just the other day but i mean not a cloud in the sky so it's pretty pretty yeah so we're in there we're in between him and his does winds blowing right in our face does are to our left he's to our right he got up and started walking back to his does and i'm like clay there he is and clay's like what i'm like clay get down so we drop to a knee i'm too low now i'm like i have all this shrubbery in my way he's 55 60 yards oh my god i could have shot him with a bow and (laughs) he felt something heard something i don't know he definitely didn't smell us obviously because he wasn't freaked out at all but he like was walking right at us where i was going to shoot him in the chest at 30 yards Mm -hmm. like the second he broke that last little vegetation well then he like stopped there for a second and kind of looking moving his head kind of doing the head bob trying to see through and then he just turned hard right and started walking through and i stood up offhand and he's walking through a pataya and any Oregon cactus or pataya, if anybody knows, it's got like those big cylinder things, mm-hmm. but the, it creates a lot of gap. And the second I saw fur, I shot. And uh, no I didn't antlers, know. you just know it's him. Oh, we knew. I yeah. saw antlers, him okay, bobbing, yeah, bobbing his head. That, like right. it was, Definitely he was him. 60 yards away from me <laughs> yeah, he's doing the head bob. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, no mistake here. <laughs> Definitely not a doe. And, uh, and there's so few deer there too. It's not like, you yeah. Know, it was him, him, a two point, and then a bunch of does. Like, there's no mistaking. And uh, if, hopefully that doesn't ever, I shouldn't say no mistaking, but like yeah, a yeah. little bit of happen, a reference. But, yeah, a <laughs> yeah. little bit of a reference here. Taking note. And anyways, he turned and he walked through that pataya, and I was offhand 50, 60 yards, 60 yards. And as soon as he cleared a shot, 
and I heard something loud, and I we didn't know, but he goes taking off running, and so I Clay Hill and I haul ass back to the road, and he's like, you know, we're we're only a hundred yards off the road, so he I get back in the road, I drop to a knee, because he takes off back towards his does. We knew his does were on the other side of the road from us, and the second he cleared the road, I just put another one in his shoulder and dropped him, um, but I I did hit him on the first shot, which is great to know that yeah i was stressful there for a second because i'm like well he didn't drop and they're not that big of deer yeah but i did i did hit him so you're tracking um, him the entire way so from the first shot well, he, he wheels he runs heads, back towards the road but you're, you're just seeing deer. I mean, we didn't know for sure if he was going to cross the road it's just yeah. but it's like your only opening once you yeah. lose a visual yeah. and they're just that much deeper into the canopy there you got no shot these so does, just, does blow up at that point where they just deer going everywhere? No, the does are like looking like what the hell is going on. Gotcha. Yeah, because there's they feel so protected and all that vegetation. Yeah. That's why I'm telling you they are completely different than any mule deer we hunt in the States. Yeah. Like they just, they act so different. They feel so protected in that canopy. Like if they, mm-hmm. if you don't ever break eyesight with them, they don't move. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's hard, so hard to find them and see them too is yeah. because if they see your the high rack or they hear you or whatever, they'll just get 20 yards deeper. And you'll have no clue they're there. Yeah, I like, killed no a buck clue. with a muzzleloader. It's probably the last big buck I shot in Utah, and it was the same thing. He, um, it was a, a, a pinion juniper patch. Yeah, it was kind of a big mo, you know, mosaic of pinion juniper out in this big open chaining, and everywhere around that was just a bunch of open, you know, country. And when I took off after this buck, I thought there's no chance he's going to stay in this. Yeah, but he did. I mean, he he held up literally. 18 yards inside the edge of this juniper because that's where he felt hidden you know those those big old bucks yeah they they know yeah like they know this is my best chance to stay alive is what kills them so if they're not seen then they don't get killed and those those deer down there like truly know that and understand it it's it's weird how calm they are if they can't if they're that much into the canopy they're so calm so anyways we hauled ass back to the road and you know he was not running real fast because he was hit yeah. but he was like moving i made an awesome shot like got <laughs> super jacked up because yeah. the second he broke visual i just popped him right in the front shoulder and it was it was game over from there because i didn't know for sure the first shot i mean it's offhand i mean granted it's 50 yards but it's yeah. stressful with a big oh, deer yeah. and when it's that thick too because you just if you lose him you lose him you know did you make any changes to your gun going down there as uh, far as like how, where you had that gun sighted in at, did you have it sighted in at a hundred yards? Hundred yards. Okay. And then uh, just the gun I use down there is a three and a half power scope, and it never leaves three and a half. Yeah, power. so you got that cranked all the way yeah, low. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Down, and it never leaves three and a half power. Yeah, that's a good tip. If you're hunting that thick country, that's uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, down you there. always ought to be walking around with your gun, you know, yes. in like a six power mat you know six to ten six power might even be too much down there D- down down there probably but i mean just generally speaking even here in, yeah if you're you know, pounding timber if you're for yeah sure. you're pounding timber you know even out hunting open country it's just for so sure. much easier to find it in your scope for sure so anyways he got him killed which just sent the trip off on an unbelievable that's note. the first day yeah. you're there very i mean first, first afternoon, first I wasn't afternoon. Even, I, we weren't even really planning on hunting i mean of course we were going to go out and look yeah uh, we were going to pull cameras we were going to see what was going on and all you know all this stuff but it just it's one of those things that like that happens you know when i was in college having a good time in vegas when i was obviously old enough to gamble it was, we would walk it like a night out with with your friends or whatever we'd always go put a couple hundred dollars on black mm-hmm. on roulette and if it hit 
you had free money, you knew it was going to be a good night. It's exactly what this was. Yep. It's like, okay, this is this just set the trip off. Like the blood on the ground gets the the ball rolling. And not only that, it is like literally the buck that we've been super excited about, just praying he wasn't going to leave or get line killed like this typical did. Yeah, um, that's a huge thing down there that you're always trying to manage. Um, so yeah, it was just set the trip off on like a super high note, and then from there. Yeah, it just all started. Ball started rolling. Coos hunted for a couple of days. No coos rut to speak of. And this is where, like, being carnivore um, on these big coos hunts did not feel the best. Hmm. Did not feel the best. Your car- you ever, car- cardio didn't feel good? Cardio felt great. You, you familiar with, like, bonking? Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, Ironman training? Very, right? very much like, so. Mm-hmm. I, w- I bonked hard, hard, like, three in the afternoon. I just, I was dead. Yeah. Like, my body would not move. And granted, I've only been doing it for, you know, I think seven or eight weeks now. I can't remember the exact whatever. Um, but like hard. Mm-hmm. I went down. And I, that's not like me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Usually, though, I'm a pretty hard snacker. Like I'd always be eating a pro bar or yeah. pop tart or something, just that quick energy. But when you don't have that, you know, and it's like meat isn't, it digests really slow. So like you don't get that quick energy where you just pick yeah. yourself right yeah. back up and out. I was fucked for the rest of the day i was down didn't even hunt huh. that afternoon i glassed yeah. from the from the side by side but like i did not hike anymore and that's when i came home and i was like all right this i'm gonna need to reevaluate figure something out before true hunting season gets here yeah. you know maybe add some it was fruit, it was fruit. rough man it was weird huh so you i mean at that point you're still hunting for management deer is that kind of how you're looking at it yeah so and, and you're also hunting with clay right you got two more tags in camp so brent and clay and then this is where like this is where the management stuff comes in. Just because I killed, like this, I picked up this lease with Jay. Yeah. So Jay and I are in agreement of like how we want to manage this. We're managing it. Him and I are kind of in Phil. We're kind of creating this like management program of what we want this property to be and what mm-hmm. we're hoping for. And it's fun for all of us, right? Like we like being Farmer John. Sure. It's a fun. Yeah. It's a fun thing to talk about. And it's it's like having your own whitetail place back east, but yeah. it's mule deer in Sonora. It literally doesn't get any better. I know I probably sound like an asshole because it's just, it is that special, but like, holy shit, I feel unreal lucky that this is the situation I'm in, the the people I'm with. It's like, it's unbelievable. But we're talking about like how we want to manage this and how we want to is twice the amount of managements as, as, uh, trophies, you know, quote unquote trophies. And, you know, we decided that we're only going to take two, maybe three of the the big stuff Mm -hmm. and every, all the other seven tags or going straight to management. So I was still hunting management. What are you um, looking at when you're trying to take some of these management bucks? Like what kind of characteristics? Bad forks. Like that four point I killed, that really tiny little fork in the mm-hmm. front. Old. old the, like this. Every one of these uh, bucks is old. I, old. Will, I, I will say that. I mean, I haven't. That's what's so fun yeah, about down there more you, than anything. Is you don't, just get, you don't get a look at lower jaws, but I can imagine that these deer are all, I mean... I don't know. It's hard to say, but I, I mean, they all look five, six, seven, eight, ten. Yeah. Even <laughs> maybe. the skull characteristics on these guys yeah. are like, whew, yeah, big crust. heads, big skulls. They're all definitely big, mature, old deer. Like very big, and and that's that's what's awesome, is uh, like the, the it's fun to shoot old management bucks. Mm-hmm. Look, I'd be lying if I said it's you shooting a four year old management buck. Like that's kind of I mean the buck's young. I mean, granted, you do. It's the hard pill to swallow. You want him out of there. You don't want him breeding these does. You want to open up the does for a younger buck with better genetics, right? Survival of the fittest kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to shoot, you know, eight plus year old kind of on the other side management bucks that are breaking 
some of these younger deer are pushing them off to the neighbors. Like this is, it gets into the whole whitetail strategy thing again too. You don't want them fighting all these young, yeah. you know, bucks that you want for next year to push them off to the does across the fence. Mm-hmm. It's all low fence, totally free range. Like you got to manage that. Yeah. So you don't want them kicking off these young bucks that go over to the, the neighbors that don't have the same management plan and they get killed. And I'm sure if there's any whitetail hunter listening to this, that's like the, the dagger in their heart every single year is a young buck that crosses the fence and their neighbor doesn't have the same management yeah, exactly. thoughts and gets it killed. You yeah, know? Shooting all the work and they're benefiting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's, uh, so I'm still management hunting, but I, so I brought Clay Hill down there with me. He's, he's been my best friend for a long time. Um, so literally since the day I met him and he doesn't get to hunt a lot for himself cause yeah. he's an outfitter, right. And he's got a family and outfitter. So I brought him with me and, I let, I shouldn't say let, I wanted him to shoot as much shit as possible. So he shot a bunch of man, like of the seven leftover tags, like he was, he was waxing these management legs, which is fun for him. Cause you know, yeah. he watches, he has to watch other people do it year after year after year. Yeah. And he's a hunter. He loves it. Like he is a hunter. This is not a, it's the reason he's a guy. It's the it's reason he lo- he he's a guy because he loves, he's not a yeah. guy that's just out there making money and knows it's an easy way to, to make money. Yeah. Like he's out there because he truly loves it. So, anyways, I, him and I went coos hunting. Um, there was no coos rut, so we spent that whatever time we did. I bonked hard, was pissed. So I'm like, I gotta figure some shit out. And I'm like, well, let's just let's management hunt tomorrow. Like I gotta figure out what's going on with me. And so we rode around. There was one day we killed four bucks. Four deer. He, in, he killed in, in three. A day. I killed one in one oh day. Oh my it gosh, was, that's it an was exciting awesome. day. And it was so the the thing too, Clay Bundy, like the guy has killed. I think he said eighteen bucks over two fifty on the Arizona Strip. Killed that Houdini buck that nobody could find. He ended up killing it at nets over three hundred. They had to strip it out of the velvet. Still netted over three hundred. Oh. Like the guy is just the ultimate legend of big mule deer. The amount of excitement on his face with with Clay Hill and I driving around shooting management bucks because he's it's the it's Clay Hill talks about the same thing in 68 Colorado. It's like, how many times have you been on those hunts where it's like, man, I wish there was management structure here where there was tags to shoot these because nobody with a 12 point tag is going to kill that three point. Right. Like they're all going to go try to find that 184 point. That 10 year old three point. Yeah. The 10 year old three point. (laughs) That's just beating the shit out of these younger bucks and taking these does and and. Clay Bundy was the same way. He's like, I have wanted to do this on the strip. There's, uh, if why can't we do this on the strip? And he was so excited to yeah, like to see manage a place. Yeah, and it was awesome to see how excited he was killing a two point. You know, and granted, it's an awesome two point. It's an awesome like, two point. He was pumped. It was yeah. so awesome. What are you doing as far as like processing? I mean, do you can you bring meat back from yeah. the? So you, you off ever, the, has to be off the bone. So everything off the bone and, yeah. and coolers, yeah. and then you're just bringing it back like yeah. you would. Yeah. Anywhere else. Does it have to yeah. be frozen or can it be in a cooler with ice? It can be a cooler. Yeah. They have to inspect it. Yeah. Um, so like the less, the more thawed, the better. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on Clay's, talking about hunt stories, to get to Clay's buck, his, his you know, mm-hmm. big buck. He laid out the management bucks, but his big <laughs> buck. <laughs> so Brent missed, missed him, I think like the third or fourth day. So he showed up on camera like the day we got there. He's oh, a neighbor buck. Brand new. Brand new, not, not a resident. Um, like ultra excited of, of that deer. I mean, obviously looking at him, he's incredible. And we're like, holy shit. So this buck, we need to get figured out. Brent and Jay were hunting. Me, Clay, and Clay Bundy were hunting. Brent and Jay got him turned up. Um, 
in the middle of this like decent spot. He was actually working a ridge to drop into the next Arroyo and just was a second too late, not the best shot, had a squeeze off shot. That sucker went missing for five days. Did not know trail cam picture, no visual, no hmm. nothing, but his does were gone too. He had to harem a doze. He had like, I think he had 10 or 12 does. So we knew we were missing deer. It, the deer densities are so low, you noticed that, right? Yeah. Like we noticed that there was 12 does missing somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and some bucks, like he had them peeled off somewhere. Anyways, the second to last day, we come, we're trying to triangulate this buck. Uh, Brent ended up killing his awesome deer, 194 inch, straight four point Sonoran da- dark horn. Like that is, he literally killed the depiction of Sonoran free range hunting. So he's happy as can be. Um, so Clay and I went to go try to refine this buck. We were calling Wavy because his main beam had this really cool wave to it. He ended up breaking by the time we killed him but he uh he he peeled off for five days and like jay post i saw him post on instagram pictures of him yeah. on the water and feed mm-hmm. and all these guys are like oh it must have been really hard on a feeder dude go down there i'm just telling you i agree like you see a picture on a deer on a feeder it doesn't sit right i totally agree like yeah. i'm not gonna bullshit anybody there but like you don't understand what's around that and how hard it is to pick them up from that once they leave it. Like you, you have down there, it is very, very common for water and feed station because that's how you find out like what's on your place. Like that's how you, that's how you understand what's on there. Right. And a, a year like this, they won't hit a lot of water because there's so much water down there, but they will hit the supplement the mineral and supplement that you're putting in those drums. And so like I saw people talking about like, he went missing. I'm telling you, this deer like was so hard to turn back up. You're just gritting everything around there. And he it, gritting everything, trying to get glassers to the best possible yeah. spot, which is literally, I mean, it's kind of a waste of time. But we were trying. We were really trying, hiking people up these massive peaks that are glassing three, four miles away. Because a frame like that, you should be able to, yeah, or 12 up. does. Like you see a pair And you're not, of does. you're not picking up does either, though. No. Huh? So like totally missing. He hmm. must have pushed to a neighbor or something. How he didn't get killed, I don't know. Um, in the second to last day, we come around a corner and it was just, you think about like the timing. So all the stupid turnarounds we did that day, let's stop right here and glass this, you know, hundred yard little ridge line right here. Let's do this. Let's do that. You're just kind of killing time trying to figure out, should we go left? Should we go right? Should we do You kill all this time and like just hoping for something at 11 AM. It was perfectly timed where we're in the bottom of the arroyo and he was working a ridge with his does kind of to go to the mm-hmm. next arroyo. And right when we pulled up, he couldn't, they couldn't see us. So we never broke eyesight with him. But the second we did break eyesight, those does and him, cause he had been shot at, like he knew what was up. He took off running mm-hmm. and he he's with his back forks. It was pretty easy to tell it was him. So Clay Bundy and I were like, yep, it's him. It's wavy. And that's why I say Sonora quick, dude. <laughs> That shot, that was like, uh, what's the guy in Tombstone? The guy who always wins the shootouts? Wyatt Earp. Uh, Wyatt Earp. Dude, he was, I'm telling you, like Wyatt Earp style. Had that sucker killed. <laughs> or Doc Holliday. Great shot. <laughs> or Doc Holliday. Yeah. Doc Holliday is the one that died of tuberculosis, right? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. That guy was always. Is that what Clay looked like? Oh, all, all he was drinking? so fat. I even looked back at him. I even looked back at him. I'm like, dude, was he even in the scope? Like oh God, he looked yeah. like he got hit and he goes, yeah, man, I was on him. I'm like, how in the fuck did you get on that deer that quick? Cause he's running through a bunch of shit too. Did he hammer him? Hammered him. Just hammered him. One <laughs> shot killed. Wow. A lot of multiple shots down there. Cause you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, Follows, center yeah. of mass. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just kind of in the, in the mix of everything. Like very few one shot kills down there. Very few. Anyways, he smashed him. And, uh, 
like that I just the mule deer hunting down there is hard in a completely different way everyone's probably going to make fun of me that's talking about high rack and how hard it is but I'm that's telling what i was going to ask you next it's different yeah i was just i don't know if i was going to ask you other than just maybe make the point that not not all hunting is the same no it's it's not all you know colorado backpack hunting you know it's it's different depending on where you're at and different types of vegetations and environments and i'm not uh i don't think there's it's not that one's right and one's wrong it's no. just there's just different style of hunting and that's how you people that's how people hunt deer that's how you hunt deer in sonora exactly. that's how you hunt deer in mexico it's, it's like when white tail hunters say i sat a tree stand 40 days to kill that buck yeah and physically that's not that hard yeah but like holy shit man you stuck it out for 40 straight days and mm -hmm. killed that buck that's awesome like i would compare that to us going what do we go 15 something miles and however many thousands and thousands of feet on yeah, the first hunt we did like i would compare the two you know what i mean yeah. that was 10 days but like you're breaking it up with you know physical action and oh, seeing deer elevation. and doing this and doing that it's entirely different down there to drive like for five straight days yeah. And I know that's not a lot comparative to what I just said with this, you know, hearing about white tail hunters do this, but like, I mean, you can only see a hundred yards it's and be, I'm not kidding a hundred yards and you're just driving the same, mm -hmm. like, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's mentally, just a, it's a draining, different, type, different type of hunt, mentally yeah. draining. Yeah. Are oh. we ever going to see them? Are we wasting time? Should we go somewhere new? Should we see if a new buck came to the South side? Yeah. Should we do this? It's a chess do that? match. Oh, it's, it's crazy. And that's like people saying that on Jay's, uh, I, I hope everyone can experience those feed and water stations, it is only to see what's on your place. Other than that, like, good luck, man. Unless it's November or something when these people shoot them off the waters. But mm -hmm. it's yeah, crazy. It sounds very mentally draining because you can't see long distances. You're like, he's here somewhere. But you're he's going and then the two, like you're, you're covering the same area over and over again. So like you've seen it so many different the times. Same area. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh, why is <laughs> and this? It's, and it's up? the the only thing that kept us going is we noticed the, the lack of does. Yeah. That's what we know. Like that, you asked about deer density. I think that puts in perspective the most. Yeah. We noticed that there were a lot of does missing. Mm -hmm. A good number. We're like, they're, they are, we are missing a good pocket of deer and we're not seeing them. How much country are you talking as far as like miles wise are you guys covering? The ranches down there are huge. So they do okay. it in hectares, which I don't know. I don't know the exact math. I think it's like double and a half. So one hectare is like two and a half acres or some mm -hmm. shit like that. And so most things down there are, you know, 25,000 acres plus upwards of like oh, 100,000 acres. This one's on the lower side of that. Um, if you're going from, let's say you're going from one corner to the other corner, how many hours driving? Are you high racking? Yeah, high Multiple. Mul many hours. Oh, many, many hours. You're going so slow, right? You're, you're, you're going five to seven miles an hour. It's never like you want to like speed up, like, hey, we want to get over there. No, you, you don't you want to take your time. You don't want to speed because up. Because it could, any you chance. You never know when it's like that doe's peeking out mm -hmm. just enough that you can see her ear and then you glass to see what buck is with her, yeah. right? It's like, it's, it's weird. It's that mental frustration where it's like, yeah, we should go to the South side. Let's go to the South side. Like, let's start heading South. Are, are you drinking? But then you can't speed up. Are you drinking copious amounts of coffee here to like stay oh. energized as well? Like anything? The amount of nicotine and caffeine consumed in a high rack is, yeah. it's unbelievable. Midday naps? Uh, midday, like eye resting, but you don't <laughs> yeah. have a long, it's not long enough to like truly go nap. And a lot yeah. of, some of the times we didn't even go back to the house. You just kind of sit in the high rack and with the truck off not hunting but just kind of like take a break and, yeah like get your eyes to like settle back you know <laughs> yeah i know that when i worked for the division we would do like elk or bighorn sheep surveys you'd be like that first three hours 
it was like such a, an adjustment time and just like trying to pick up movement, you know? Yeah. And then after that, you would start to kind of pick yeah. things up. And then I remember, same thing. I mean, how hard is sitting in the back of a helicopter flying around looking for desert bighorn sheep? I would go home at the end of the night of one of that and I would be wiped. Yeah. I know it sounds weird, but I would it's, be so exhausted. The thing, the thing about like use, using your vision while you're moving yeah. and trying to pick up things. Unnatural. It's super unnatural. <laughs> yeah. When we get back to the house, I couldn't even look at my phone. Like my eyes wouldn't look yeah. at my phone. Oh. I would have to like sit there like from a long distance away and look Just at everybody. let everything settle and Motion, bouncing around the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's wild, man. And that's why it is so different. I just, I wish everybody could experience it. And it is worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. The coos hunting too, it's sad that the rut was like non-existent because then to be able to team it up with, go yeah. go try to find a big coos, which mm -hmm. we saw some good coos deer, 100, uh, 110 inches, not a bunch of them and just z absolutely zero rut activity. Um, but I could have killed... I don't know, two or three, 105, 110 inches, which is fun to look at. It's fun mm -hmm. to go hike and break that up till I realized how shitty I felt. I got to figure, I got to figure that out. I don't know if it's just going to take more time to get to a point where I don't bonk like that, but that was fucking brutal. Mm -hmm. And it was on the way down. Mm -hmm. And have you, if you guys ever hunted Southern Arizona, I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. have yep. just that everything is round rock yeah. and yeah. none of it is in the ground. It's yeah, all just it's like all, on each other. Yeah. yeah. You, you wonder how the hell there's any vegetation that grows because it's yeah, so rocky. It's but, so rocky. Yeah. So I had weak knees, like my head and vision weren't all there. And like every time I would step, a rock would roll out from under me. Yeah. Getting off, we hiked to the highest peak on the ranch, which honestly is super fucking high. There's bighorn sheep. I saw 25 bighorn sheep. Like oh. that's how high we were. That's where the coos deer cool. live there. That's, like really, the coos, really that's why cool. I'm saying the mule deer and coos deer just completely flip. We're, I mean, I'm glassing bighorn sheep. Free range, totally natural, desert, free range, desert, big, big horns. desert bighorns, looking for coos at the same time. It That's was cool. It's incredible. But then on the way down, when I bonked, man, it was, that was gnarly. That was so, not good. All the hunting you've done, you've, yeah. you've hunted a bunch of species, you've been a lot of places. Like, where would you prioritize Sonoran mule deer? She, with Canadian sheep. Right up there. Right up there. The like top. one and two. Mm -hmm. Notice you didn't say elk in any of these conversations. Oh, Trent. you guys. Well, I, elk was I number one. The oh, other two I don't know if two we ran. Three. I don't know if we ran the audio on that Insta story. But I, I told you, you guys could shoot every elk on the side of the mountain for the rest of my life. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but do not kill a mule deer out from underneath me. Yeah. <laughs> do not do it. So or you, pronghorn. You'd encourage people. This is a hunt that you would think you'd encourage people, even if you yeah. got to save up for it. Yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks, right? Like it's mm -hmm. all it's all what you're into. If you're into elk, then no, this is not for you. It'll be a waste of money, mm -hmm. right? But like, man, if you're into. Just somebody it, that likes to hunt. If somebody who loves to hunt and loves to do different shit and loves deer, like this is, mm -hmm. it's the Mecca of that. You never know. There's just something to be said about like you come around a corner and you don't know if that's the mid nineties, 30 inch wide, yeah. dark, dark horned mm -hmm. buck. Like you just, you never know. I think it's also cool too, just going to someplace new, seeing different terrain, hunting that different terrain, hunting a different style than you're used to. That's like, what so I you like. always can maybe pick up a little tip there and like convert that over to other mule deer hunt somewhere yeah. else maybe or how they approach yeah. things or how you, I don't know, just navigate the terrain. Yeah. But like, super like cool a good places. example of that is New Zealand. Like New Zealand is the exact same style of hunting. I mean, new place looks different, looks obviously wildly different. I mean, that's where all that, all the crazy movies were filmed. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Right. Like it's wildly visually <laughs> different, but Brady's there the just perked up the nope. style of, yeah, you did perk up. You're all about <laughs> His the elf, style elf of hunting. The style of hunting is like 
the exact same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to, I shouldn't generalize it that much, but like it is spot and stock, big glass, hike into the top. Like it mm-hmm. is, there's no difference. I like the shit that's, I like to do new stuff. Yeah. Right. Like your Marco hunt. That's so yeah, cool. So, so different than anything else. So different done. you've ever, anything you do. And like to, to round out a Western hunt season, right? Like I, I did uh, pronghorn hunts. I did my wife's elk kind of porters, mm-hmm. uh, late season Western slope hunt. Like you do those every single year, backcountry Wyoming hunts and all this stuff. It is so wild to do that and then go end it in this style. I mean, it's, it is every mule. I feel like every mule deer hunter wants to manage like a whitetail. We're all jealous yeah, of the whitetail guys, right? Sure. We're all jealous of it. Multiple tags, managing it, your own yeah. place, no pressure. And it's like, this is a way to do that with the adventure. Like yeah. this is, mm-hmm. it's to, you get that and just something entirely new that you don't do anywhere else except there. It's the mm-hmm. only place where you hunt mule deer in a high rack in the bottoms. You hike to the top where the sheep are for coos deer. You got the ranch house with the tacos and the, you know, salsa and guacamole and chips and everything's homemade. It's like, it's Must be unbelievable. I'm hungry. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sounds amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I rank it up there with a northern sheep hunt. Now, northern sheep hunts, you know, like, it's no secret. Those things are so goddamn expensive. Yeah. Right? It's like that that really is one that only the lucky few get to experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one is just so priced out of any modern-day natural income. Yep. So down south is still – it's still there but it's only going to get more expensive. Just look at the trend of hunting it is, yeah. everywhere else in life. Like, look at it everywhere else in life. Um, and it only gets more expensive. So, like, you know, using affordable loosely here, completely understand and, and transparent about the fact that it is expensive. But when you look at it loosely as affordable comparatively, yeah. down there is still, like, it is still a thing. Like, you can still mm-hmm. save up for it down and there. Coo- and Coosier is really Coosier is very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coosier is very much so. I'm a mule deer guy though, so that's like that's where my mind yeah, goes. It was hard to get me like to those those day and a half of that day and a half of coos deer hunting with no rut, by the way. So it was kind of yeah. that mindless, like just glass and all day, like an early season deer hunt. Yeah. It's I was like, it's yeah, let's go back. Excited. Let's go back to the bottoms. Like yeah. let's go see what's on here. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um all these bucks are the the lion kill buck is pretty sad he's a young deer too yeah that deer is really impressive yeah we'll pull all these out i think just for we'll grab some b-roll just and kind of splice yeah. it in so that people can see what we got here sitting on the table i think every what everybody notices on a sonoran deer first thing is color second thing is how heavy they are yeah it's like every buck down there is just like which that. is crazy too because the feed availability it's like or is there just not a biologist but supposedly their their protein per gram their amount of protein per gram or whatever it is is like double or even triple, if I remember correctly, so it's really than what Western stuff, yeah. Slope stuff is. Hmm. Yeah, they're all heavy. Even, I mean, a bunch of these you pick up and you can feel the density in them. Yeah, yeah. your buck you pick up, it's, it's heavy. It's heavy. It, yeah, it's not Weight just you're holding heavy. that deer's yeah, head up just for mass. pictures. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's it's a, I was talking to Lorenzo earlier. That's like the, uh, you know, it's not tangible. It doesn't go into a score of a buck or anything like that. But when you pick up an animal, you know, an animal, a set of antlers, that density, like you could, like the bull I killed in Utah this year. You can feel it. I mean, that bull's like a he's like a three forty bull, you know, busted, but he's he's so heavy. Yeah, I would yeah. I would bet each side of those is probably twelve and a half, thirteen pounds. Yeah. Like there's just a heavy you dance. You can feel it. Yeah. That's and what's I, cool about and it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And, Me too. and all these bucks have got that. That yeah. two points. The bases on that two point are nuts. Yeah, super heavy. Would you call them two wrecks? 
The two racks. The two, two racks. racks. Well, good Dale. Any other tidbits? I mean, no. I know. Believe me, I I know how blessed, fortunate, lucky, whatever you want to call it, I am to be doing this kind of shit. So, mm-hmm. not not going to shy away from that. But I'm just telling you, if you do want to bite the bullet, is it is so worth it. Who would you recommend? So you've you've mentioned Jay. Yeah. Get a hold of Jay if you're looking for Jay Dar or Phil Kramer. Okay. Like that. That's where I. That's just my network. I'm just giving you my internal insight. I'm, I like I said, I'm sure there's a handful of other really yeah. good people. But this is just the network that I have somehow gotten into. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, like, you can't go wrong talking to any of those three guys. Yeah. And they could certainly, I mean, if if they don't have something readily available for you, those those guys have connections and, and networks. Out. They could exactly. definitely point you in the right direction. And exactly right. I mean, all three of those guys, everybody I've ever talked to that's gone, you know, with Jay, they've yeah. had experiences similar to yours that yeah. have just been great. And the thing about that network is they believe in the purity of Sonora. Like yeah. hunting the pure spots, cool. which you have to know. Yeah. Like you, you gotta, they've been doing it for so long. They know the areas that are pure and the areas that have been mm-hmm. introduced, that kind of shit. And that, I love that that's what they care about. So that's, it's pretty cool. Right on. What an adventure. So wild adventure. I talked a lot on Good. this one. Everyone's gonna be fucking sick of me talking. No, I loved all the insights because, like I said, a lot of stuff we dream to Each do. of us has our, right, yeah, our, our, our own, thing. Our yeah, make sure hunt. I'm going out at hunting next week. I'm sure I'll get a chance Ooh, to oh, recap with some of... Yeah, that'll I've never done that. I mean, next week already? Yeah. Gosh. The, the rumor's true. Yeah, I'm going to try to... I would to, love it. I'm going to try to pack the old you bow. You killed with a bow. Yeah. The poor man sheep hunt. Yeah. That's what this is. When I was hearing Brady talk about just going in you as well, yeah. just going a new place, new environment, new species. I don't know anything. I've never laid eyes on an audad, you yeah. know, on a on a Barbary ever in my life. So I'm I'm looking that's forward be, to it. That's going to be awesome. hearing about it. Yeah, Me too. Cool. Like, but yeah, yeah there's awesome. going to be podcasts where each of us is going to run our mouth a lot oh, yeah. more. Than yeah. <laughs> that is the true so. though. Like they are coined the poor man sheep hunt. Yeah. Like, if you want to hunt bighorn sheep and you can't, yeah. go hunt these because it's the exact same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, anything else? We're good. Call it, yeah, we'll Call it a wrap. Call it a wrap. Call it a wrap. We'll pull these out and give some get some video. Yeah. yeah. See you guys later.